but the movie has like an uppercut waiting for it you does. that you would never know existed. So you'd be having these cops. Oh, I've seen Whiplash. I, that kid was a good drummer, but mm-hmm. you don't you don't really know. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Kachiga. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a new one right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for music video, sends Barrett Share. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He does his yelp. His yeah. yelp. <laughs> I sound my barbaric yelp. Um, a couple weeks ago, Jeremy was like, hey, I've got an idea. He came to us. Here's an idea. He came to us. Yes, yes. I did. He came to us. I was at a Walmart and I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was I was shopping for uh, dresses yeah, and you were. Yeah, you were. and he just came up to me and he said, "I want to do this for the Sincast." And I was like, "Holy shit, Jeremy! You drove all the way from where you live to yeah. here to the Walmart." It's like yeah. that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's in confession and then the door opens and it's George. He's like, "Jerry, I need to talk to you." <laughs> But, uh, but Jeremy said, hey, uh, let's do uh, a topic about, you know, movies that if you were to sit two thirds through it and then leave, that would be a bad idea. Yes. And, um, and, uh, and you guys came up with a whole bunch of good ones. I- I'm going to start off as, as just as an example that I think is actually a bad example of this because it was the first thing that came into my head was the village. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Now, technically, it's true. If you enjoy the village, you enjoy the surprise at the end, yeah. all that. Then, yes, that would be a bad movie to to walk out two thirds of the way through. I could see why you would want to walk out <laughs> two thirds of the way through yep. in the village. A lot of shittiness. But I, I, the reason why I had a hard time trying to come up with really good answers for this question was I felt like it meant that you enjoyed the first. You maybe you. I don't know it. It, it was slow or something. I don't know for two thirds of the movie, or it was there was something about it that you just weren't digging. Mm-hmm. But if you watch to the end, it would make all of that great. Ah. Whereas the village, all of that just seems in in the effort to get to a surprise ending. Yep. Uh, where you know you go back and watch the village, and you're like, oh, well, none of this stuff was good. It's just the ending that yep. is surprising uh so so that's what i came up with as my first thought but i think that's a bad example you guys you can come up with a better example well, let, me, right. let me ask you two things <clears throat> first of all do you have the same feeling about signs because at this point after unbreakable m night got up his own ass about the surprise factor it's not as prevalent in signs as it is the village for sure signs is the opposite i think the mystery itself the, is more like fun the first the two reveal. thirds is the better part of the I movie. I agree. I agree. And then the last third is like, oh, oh, so it was aliens all along, was it? Oh, and oh, they hate water. water. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 uh, you know, and then Joaquin Phoenix is following the go long or whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> Uh, I, I always mess that quote Swing up. Away, Swing away, Merrill. Swing away, Merrill. Yeah, that's what he means. I will say go long again the next time we bring up. I'm, I'm sure you will. And, uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it's one of those like, oh, okay. So his mom said something like swing away, like when she was 
bent over a fucking uh, hood in her car and in that wreck <laughs> and yep. everything. Yep. Uh, and uh, that was sort of the surprise. I guess that was kind of a, I don't know if that was a surprise. But you're all. right. No, th- that would be a good movie to walk out of two thirds mm-hmm. of the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say the exact same thing. We talked about second acts uh, before, but the same thing with Dr. Sleep. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Sleep is nearly a perfect movie before they go out to Colorado, I think. Mm. You actually don't mind that ending, I don't right? mind it. I... This movie snuck up on me. I really like it a lot. Yeah. Does, that last third doesn't bother me the way it does other people, but I've heard that. That's a common thing is once they go back to the hotel, it kind of loses momentum for me. She, they've they've beaten her. They've beaten her, her entire crew, and that should be it. Like That is a great ending uh, to a very, very good movie, mm-hmm. but then they had to tag that thing. Yeah, but anyway, that's those are all bad examples. Well, What's a good example? I will tell you this. I did not conceive of this topic with regard to quality or enjoyment level Mm. simply with regard to your understanding so as i said in the email this was inspired by a friend's episode as most things in my life are where phoebe had growing up her mother had always turned off old yeller before the dog was shot Mm. and she thinks everything's happy and the gang is watching old yeller and she's like what you doing with that gun travis (laughs) where are you going (laughs) and she's now ruined for old yeller she's now seen the real end so what for me it was what movie would would it change what happened uh in terms of like your understanding so the first one i want to talk about is gone baby gone mm-hmm. i'm gonna do this oh yeah it's a little bit of an older movie i'm gonna go ahead and spoil a little bit of things here and there but the, the first two-thirds is casey affleck and michelle monaghan being hired by the family to help augment a police search for an abducted missing five-year-old girl mm-hmm. who is at the meet presumably thrown into the water and drowned forever mm-hmm. and the movie even does this sad montage of driving through the streets and casey affleck is narrating and like this is how it works more often than not we lose the kid we don't find the kid and if you cut the movie off right there First of all, that's depressing as shit, mm-hmm. and may still be less depressing than finishing the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not like it's a it's a cheerful ending anyway, right? <laughs> but after that, the last third, that kid is still alive. Yep. That kid, they find that kid alive at the end of the There's movie. There's so much complexity in the ending of that movie. Yeah, and it's just wrinkle after wrinkle. It takes what has been a fairly straightforward procedural looking drama and just bends it in on itself. A bunch of different ways and if you didn't have that last third you'd be like oh i saw that movie it was okay you know didn't really you have me. you have the decision of course yeah. you have the morality of morgan freeman's character you have the morality intrinsic morality of amy Adam, madigan I mean, I'm mad, I'm mad, yeah who is it? Madigan? Amy Madigan? It's, oh, oh Amy it's, Ryan. It's Amy Ryan, yeah. I was I was about to say Adams, but I knew that was wrong immediately. <laughs> wait, wait. You're right, but Madigan is playing the sister. Amy Madigan does play the sister. Yes. So I got, okay. We're both. Amy uh, Ryan right, is the right. drug addict. Yes. Uh, mom. Um, and you've got her morality. Should mm-hmm. she do this? And, oh, God, I want to watch that movie again. It's been a while. It's good stuff. Then you have that whole sequence where they go and find the other missing kid. But he's dead, and that completely informs Casey Affleck's decisions from mm-hmm. that point forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you just you think, boy, they failed. They didn't find the kid. The kid died. What a sad movie. Why would you make it? But then there's a whole other thing to come if you missed it. You've got the 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 
uh, I guess, closure of Ed Harris's character in that ending, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You would include that in there? Mm-hmm. God, that's such a good movie. But you're right. It's it's actually a brilliant movie even up until then, mm-hmm. just very real and everything. But, yeah, that whole thing takes it to a whole new echelon. Yeah. So that, I got three or four others, but I figured we'd round robin this bitch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Um, the one that I, I thought of first was The Mist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked The Mist all the way through. It's Thomas Jane, um, Margot... Marsha Gay Harden. Marsha Gay Harden. <laughs> That's close enough. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, a few other character actors. It's a good movie. Perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Scary at times. They're, they're all trapped. It's a bottle episode. They're all trapped in a store and everything. Um, but without that ending, you would have forgotten that movie existed. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's a Frank Darabont directed Stephen King story, Mm -hmm. so it's not going to be bad. (laughs) But the choice that he made at the end of that movie uh, is just. I'm trying to summarize my face when I watched that ending for the first time. It was. (laughs) It was this mix of like, no, (laughs) mixed with like. This is awesome. <laughs> it yep. was. I had the same face pretty much the whole time I was watching the Raid Two. Well, <laughs> I mean, that movie would work without the ending because that movie is really not about the mist or the monsters. It's about how do human beings behave right. when they're clustered together in survival mode. And, you know, Marsha Gay Harden's the religious, you know, Bible thumper. And, you know, there are two factions and warring over what should we do? Should we go out? Should we, that, that whole movie's about humanity. Mm-hmm. But to throw that ending on the end, of course, it's not the ending from the book. Right. And Stephen King has praised the ending of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And I know at least one person who hates this ending because they are a parent and they can't tolerate. Oh, it's hideous. It's, it's mean, hideous. Yeah. basically. To parents, but from a writing standpoint, it's got to be one of the best endings I've ever seen. Look, we're gonna have to spoil some of these things, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you uh, what happens here because it's in a context. It's filmed so brilliantly. Not every filmmaker could get away with this. You have the shot in the car of Thomas Jane, the kid, and then three people in the back, and then he looks at the gun. There's a shot of the gun. Then there's a shot of all of them kind of looking at each other. Then it cuts to the outside of the car, and you hear, psh, 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 psh. and you're waiting for that fifth one, and it doesn't come. <laughs> then it goes back to Thomas Jane realizing he doesn't have any bullets, and then, oh, and then seeing the trucks come out of the, the mm-hmm. mist. Absolutely, absolutely Well, the, the reason it's so, it's so great is that he, he made the right choice. Like, he made what he felt was a loving, fatherly choice. I, I he's am not the right choice. That's not the right choice. With the information he had, it's the right choice. It's it's a right choice. It is, it, sure, sure. If sure. the choice is to shoot my child or let them suffer being eaten by a huge alien mist monster. I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to take my chances on the I'm monster. I'm just saying. I, I got you. I got you. You can defend his choice yes, yes. with his information as the act of a loving father yes it, it's just that the information changes 10 seconds later mm-hmm. and it's fucking brutal oh it mm-hmm. is it is and uh, look there's some brutality that i cannot take i can't watch the handmaid's tale mm-hmm. um i can't watch 
you know, a lot of stuff. I know it's fiction and everything. I, I can't watch a lot of horror stuff. Uh, but for some reason, that just that is so well done that I have to just say that's just so fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it contextualizes everything else in that movie. It makes it memorable. Uh, otherwise, it's a average to good horror movie. I'm sorry, I've got a tooth thing. That's why I'm my tongue's weird. So yeah, that that really puts the capper on that whole thing, mm-hmm. and I love it so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and given how Jeremy started this question and to how I interpreted it and everything, I don't think I have great examples, but um, <laughs> what I love about this show is we frequently interpret these topics differently for sure, yeah. and still have good conversations. Mm-hmm. So, um, 2001, a space odyssey, uh, has two thirds. It actually has a climax. It's climax is two thirds through the movie. The how thing, the how right? scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it has, I think it's like 40 minutes after that, uh, where, you know, Dave is going into the Stargate mm-hmm. and everything. Now imagine you've watched this and, you know, you're the type that gets bored easily. And like, you watch that first half and you're like, God damn it. What's going on in this movie? <laughs> Fuck this movie. And then the how stuff happens. And you're like, okay, well that's, you know, peace. That's, that's a great ending. <laughs> Um, <laughs> get off the wall. Yes. <laughs> All right. Surely uh, the credits are going to roll now. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you miss the the whole like trippy Stargate sequence, and you miss Dave uh, seeing his like his uh, future selves mm-hmm. all in that contained into that mysterious mansion room mm-hmm. thing. Is it in space? Is it in the obelisk? We don't know. We don't know. Fucking A, man. Is there air? You Is there know. air? Yeah. We don't know. Like, does he have servants? It looks like he has servants, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It but does. They, they don't show up anywhere in there nope. saying, Dave, please don't leave us so early. You've just got here, and now you're 90 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and then you're going to show up in, tw- in the movie 2010 by Peter Hyams. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um... But uh, you would miss some of the coolest shit in this movie mm-hmm. if you were to, to walk out at that point. I don't know why you would walk out at that point, but it's the same thing. I mean, I don't know of many movies that have that old yeller kind of thing, right? Where, I mean, you'd have to go into maybe where the red fern grows or something <laughs> like that yeah. to start getting into those kind of, uh, into that kind of thing where let's cut it off here so that everybody's happy in the end and don't we don't distress anyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you would miss some of the most uh, potent in- uh, imagery in 2001. Phoebe's mom also didn't show her the ending of Pride of the Yankees. Mm. <laughs> so she got really mad mm. when Lou Gehrig died. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh, it's Tom Selleck's character goes, well, it's called Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. Didn't you kind of see it coming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You also, you're not going to understand that movie one bit if you don't see that ending you're not gonna understand that movie one bit no matter what oh no you i mean you can contextualize i think what makes 2001 such a unique film is that last third um i think it would have been a masterpiece if that wasn't there but it's the discussion that that last third has caused amongst film fans for years and years and years like chris was saying where is it is it in space is it in the obelisk we don't know and honestly i'm not sure the filmmaker really wanted to tell us as I, much as just let us decide for ourselves i don't think he knew either because i've seen some documentary stuff on this movie and like uh you know i mean they arthur c Clarke and he were doing this simultaneously so mm-hmm. 
Arthur C. Clarke was uh, was writing the book while they were making the movie. They didn't have a set story. They were even if Arthur C. Clarke writ- had written this book and it was based on this book, Kubrick would have gone the way yeah, he of went. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but uh, there were people who worked on that film. The science advisor or whatever was telling him. You, you want you you probably want to dial this down a little bit you probably want to make it where it's a little understandable what's going on at the very end of this movie of course kubrick's not going to do that but <laughs> uh but he he's he, this is the guy that kubrick has relied on this whole movie to make everything look so fucking amazing in it mm. and then at the end when it's like hey could you maybe possibly tell us what the fuck's going on <laughs> he's like nah <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean it does having the obelisk out there in space and him actually finding it and seeing the the nature of time in the way that it is and then the star baby mm-hmm. is the star baby right yeah something like uh, that at the end signifies the the rebirth and everything that to me contextualizes why we had the apes in the beginning why mm-hmm. we had uh, <clears throat> the uh the 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 weird squeal from the the one on the moon that kind of thing yeah uh you're you're absolutely right that would that would be a fucking rotten ass shame if somebody walked yeah 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 to the house like well all right that's the part that i like let's just go ahead well and we don't have to we don't even have to assume people are walking out we can just assume somebody pulled a fire alarm Mm -hmm. or something right for whatever reason you didn't get to see it and your your knowledge would be wasted all right so i'm picking one that barrett should have picked and i'm ashamed of him Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it's whiplash mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was uh choosing between this and la la land and uh no i i it's not that barrett should have picked it it's that it's one of his favorite movies of all time and i'm surprised he didn't uh having just seen this recently i think this would play if you had to leave two-thirds of the way through you'd be like wow what a dick that teacher was but i get i think that kid's gonna make it are you talking about if you had walked out after he tackles uh fletcher I didn't and, like pinpoint the exact moment. I don't have this movie memorized mm-hmm. like you do. No, I mean like in the in the time in which uh, Miles Teller quits, Fletcher goes away, that kind of thing. Before that would be the, he picks him up at the the jazz club. Yes, okay. absolutely. And then the, what I'm calling the final third is they bump into each other at the mm-hmm. club. He gets invited to come play with this group. He gets fucked over, but then he fucks over the world. Uh, <laughs> if you if you only saw the first two thirds, you would probably think this is a really solid examination of a high pressure prodigy type environment. Um, but the movie has like an uppercut waiting for you that you would never know existed. So you'd be having these cops. Oh, I've seen whiplash. I, that kid was a good drummer, but mm-hmm. you don't, you don't really know <laughs> mm-hmm. what you're not saying because you didn't watch all the way to the end. Um, and so yeah, that movie packs a wallop at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of this. Um, if you do cut that off because he, he is shown back with his dad, like watching movies and eating popcorn. Um, he hasn't reconciled with uh, Supergirl, uh, but he... No, uh, but you could assume he's making peace. Yeah. Yeah. He's taken his drums down and everything, and it... I forget, but it's been like six or eight months or so in between that and when he runs into him at the club. Hmm. Uh, so it's been a minute. Uh, but then, it's almost like the entire movie is retold at that point. It resets. He's back to nothing, right? He tries to rekindle the the uh, love interest. Uh, he's still connecting with his dad. He gets back on the kit and everything. And then it's like he has a, a do-over, basically, right? And then he f- 
he gets fucked over and then he fucks over the world. Can I just tell you, and you're going to hate me for this, I bet. Mm. But in my perfect world, he never plays drums again. Mm. I mean, I could see that. Maybe I could see that. Not like he doesn't like abolish drums, but I don't feel like the end there is about providing a future career in drums. He's going back into that psychopathy, right? Yeah. Now, now he's now there's no way out because he's hit that level. Yeah. Uh, and now he's going to be even more insufferable than he already was, arguably, right? <clears throat> yeah, I think his chance of leaving drums forever happens after the song is wrong at the the for beginning of that, and and he has a chance to just walk away from it now. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, who could blame him? I mean, yeah. and nobody's going to remember him or anything. They're just going to be like, oh, I remember that time that one dude fucked up the song and he walked off. Uh, but then he comes back and he comes up with a performance that's not only amazing, but it impresses this asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in it for life now. I don't. I, I like the idea of him not playing drums after this, but I, there's no way. You're right. I mean, for for him as a character, either if he walked away when he walked away when he threw all of that stuff away uh, after his career ended in school, um, or after he fucks up at the uh, he, he doesn't fuck up. Uh, he gets fucked over mm-hmm. uh, at the the performance. Yeah, ah. for his humanity, you're right. He probably is better served by walking <sighs> away. I just feel like, and it's probably utopian, but I just feel like that's a mic drop moment, right? And that's like, oh, you like, mean after this performance? Yes, after the the badass drum solo. Yes, like I have joked before, and I don't think I would do this, but I have joked that if I did ever get a hole in one on a golf course, I might quit playing golf forever. That's not a bad idea. Because you're, it's it's never going to get any better than that. You can't get less than one. <laughs> and so I feel, and again, Chris is right. I'm, I don't mean to suggest I'm arguing that point. He's, he's going to be a drummer forever. But I like the notion that at the end, he's not drumming for his career. Yeah. He's drumming for his ego. And, um, and, and he wins. Yeah. He wins Earth at the mm-hmm. end of that. It's mm-hmm. not going to... It's probably not going to get any better than that. No. But, than that feeling. But Chris is still right. He's going to go drum for the rest of his life. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah. will be the defining moment of his entire life, and it's awesome. And he should. He should. And going back to that, he should probably drop it right there. He's never going to get better than that. Yeah. Uh, that, that, will be, that will be a never-ending search for that perfection again, and he will not get it. Yep. Hey, here's, here's a shocker. I didn't pick whip, whip, Whiplash. Yeah. But I did pick The Godfather. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Look, uh, one or the other. <clears throat> you could, two-thirds of the way through, you know, you could get to the death of Vito Corleone. Um, you could get, I mean, you could even take it further back to where they're planning on making it legitimate and stuff like that. Um, to where everything, you know, the war is basically over at that point. Uh, Vito dies, end of story, we move on, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you cut that last third from that movie, um, it would still be a good movie. But you get to see because at, at two thirds through the movie, when Michael comes back and he tells Kay, "Hey, I want to marry you and have kids, even though I've been away." And by the way, I got married while I was away, uh, <laughs> and then she blowed up. And uh, but we're cool now, right? Mm-hmm. And she gets in the car. Uh, you know, Michael still has humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Starting at the baptism scene, um, mm-hmm. where uh, everybody knows this by now, 
But think about this. This dude has the giantest fucking balls. He's like, okay, I'm going to murder the heads of the five families in New York and all the boroughs and the guy who started Las Vegas, Mo Green, the mm-hmm. Howard Hughes character. Uh, I caught some of The Aviator the other day, by the way. That movie's fucking awful. Uh, anyway, I'm going to kill all these people. Now, that's bad enough. I mean, that's ruthless enough. He does it while he's at his nephew's baptism, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. He's like, he's talking. I do reject Satan and all of his his works and all of his work. I do renounce them. As he's fucking murdering these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. That is cold. Then uh, he murders Tessio. He murders Carlo. Like, he is just on a fucking spree. Mm-hmm. And to cap it all off, you know, Connie comes into the office and she's like, No, Michael, you did this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he has to calm her down. Clemenza comes in. And then uh, Katie comes over and she's like, Is it true? He's got one chance left at humanity mm-hmm. to be like, don't a-, he even tries to say, don't ask me about my business, Kay. Enough! Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's like, all right, this one time you can ask me about my business. Is it true? No. Mm-hmm. Oh! It's well, chilling. It's chilling. Just, That's it, almost as as bad as all the other shit that he did beforehand. And then her looking into the office is the guy's like, Godfather. And yep. The door closes. It's one of the best scenes ever in a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Um, like, you gotta, you got that is where Michael Corleone becomes Michael the Don, the Godfather and everything. Even Vito wasn't anywhere near. This is why Godfather 2 is so great. Vito wasn't not nearly as ruthless as michael was Mm -hmm. Vito was tough but but it was because he wasn't going to take any shit from people Mm -hmm. right uh he was kind he was michael is the total almost opposite of Vito. there is no compassion there there is no feeling there there he he says family and name only he's like dom toretto he's saying no this is this is all family this is all you know business and all that stuff but no, it's all to appeal to his monstrous nature. Uh, and I bet you Vito would have been just horrified to see what, what he ended up becoming. It is the uh, the great thing about that movie, the character arc that he has, the whole thing, because he's supposed to be the guy who's not in this business. Right. And then things happen where he is sort of thrust into the business He and and... It's not on accident. He really wants to do this. He's, he's he comes up with the idea to to kill the police officer and uh, the the Turk. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously he he's he's had a like a little bit of an attraction to this to this thing. Once he does it, does this killing in the restaurant and everything, he's all in. He's mm-hmm. he goes to the old country. You know, he, he gets hit by the lightning bolt. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, and, uh, he has and, the, he has yeah, the, yeah, he has the sex. He has the Sicilian sex. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he, then he, uh, then everybody's like, you know, they've gone to the mattresses over in the, uh, in, uh, New York and uh, he's hiding out and he comes back after it's all calmed down. And then suddenly he's a cold, bloodthirsty motherfucker, man. It's the craziest thing, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in Italy. He is, he's living the good life. He seems like he's a good husband to Apollonia. I don't know how long he's even, Thinking about oh he he's gonna take her back mm-hmm. he's gonna take her back because he's like when can I go back that kind of thing, um, 
And then after Sonny gets killed, that's when Apollonia gets killed. Yeah, and then yeah, Apollonia, the the uh, <laughs> Apollonia, no, oh, you know. Jesus. So yeah, that that probably was the the last the last straw right there. It probably was, but you know, Vito's still alive at that point. He goes back and he has that wonderful conversation with him out. Uh, you know, I wanted you to call the shots, Governor Corleone, Senator Corleone, and so he still has his humanity left. But it's almost like when Vito dies, mm. he's like, okay. My turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he fucking Well, I mean, fucks. it takes a lot. Of, it takes a lot. I mean, yeah, you have Vito and you have uh, Sonny. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, his, his, I mean, that's a, and, and then, of course, Fredo is a, is just, he's such a weakling. Uh, yeah, he, he got ha- passed he over. He has to take over. He, he does. And, and it's, it's, it's hilarious. This is what shows you about Vito. I'm sorry I'm going on too long about this. But uh, when Michael is planning the move to Nevada and he names Carlos Contigliere and uh and Vito's in there like feeding the fish and shit like yeah. that. And uh and uh, uh uh Tom says, "Why am I out?" And uh you can see a little bit of that cold blood in this cuz Michael's like, "You're out, Tom." And that's it. And then Vito goes over and <laughs> sits with them. You're not a wartime Consigliere. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. He goes over and sits with them and it is brilliant that they shield Tom from all this, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, but Vito sits with him and he's like, I never thought you were a bad concert with Harry. I thought Santino was a bad Don. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell that Vito even didn't think that that, that Sonny was going to be good. Mm-hmm. He knew that Michael was the only choice for this. Uh, but he's like, that's why he says, he's like, I never wanted any of this for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think when, when he died, that last shred of humanity left, mm-hmm. um, left Michael. And that whole last third of the movie makes the movie the whole movie is fantastic up until then mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing um, that they made one of the greatest movies of all time from what was considered a pulpy beat read dude i was well, the same with jaws right <laughs> dude i was just about to like the the sunny especially with sunny this is where the book is the movie diverges heavily from the book and thank fucking god it does but the you know the woman that he's having sex with at the wedding at the beginning mm-hmm. That's a bigger character in the book, mm. and he's banging her, and then and he's he's got the, the the whole thing is he's just got a big dick, right? Uh, and and she worries throughout the book that she has too big of a vagina. Oh, yeah. and then she starts. Uh, she sees a gynecologist about it, and the gynecologist and them her start dating oh. and then he's like i can help you with that oh. and helps her with that that's oh. all in the book oh no oh no you're just reading it going what really oh, this no. is in the godfather why didn't they film that can we talk more about how bad the aviator is uh, i forgot how all that's scorsese right mm-hmm. uh i forgot how bad that just is everybody doing bad it's impressions. not it's not I, I was about to say it's not Leo's fault, but it kind of is. I don't think Kate Blanchett's very good. Uh, her doing her Catherine Hepburn like this, mm-hmm, yep. and I don't think uh, Jude Law's uh, Errol Flynn is very good. John C. is fine. Fucking no doubt walking the red carpet. She's just because though. she looks like Jean Harlow. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's she, not, I mean, she did fine, but that whole movie's just all over the place, well, man. It's just a costume ball. It's it's. I just don't. I don't like it. No. I, I, I think, I think here's the problem. Um, yeah. He uses a dick, and he's not likable. Mm. Yeah, and I guess they did an okay job with that. (laughs) 
like what I'm saying is that you're right. The movie made him unlikable, sure. like in real life. Sure, but that's not fun to watch for no. three hours. <laughs> no, I agree. Scorsese, just like uh, Spielberg before him, was really looking for that Oscar, and he was looking for something that was. He did Gangs of New York, which was, I think, his first real try. I don't know. He, I, mean, I don't know if he had aspirations with the color of money or with Goodfellas mm. or anything like. It doesn't really seem like it with Goodfellas. He's Kinda doing his, do, yeah. he's doing his thing. Yeah. And then Gangs of New York comes out, and it's and it's good, but it's it's shot in a way that's very. Please give me the Oscar. I'm doing so oh, much for this movie. All and the then, slow motion. And then the he does The Aviator, which is like, okay, well, you guys don't like dark stuff, so why don't I make a biopic about Howard Hughes and make it all kind of likable and whatever, whatever. you Make it look like an Oscar-worthy picture, and that, that really fell short, too. You know what I just realized? Mm. Leo has made more biopics than I realized. Mm. This, Howard, uh, J. Edgar Hoover uh catch me if you can is a biopic mm -hmm. basketball diaries is a biopic yeah. and i bet if i sat here and thought about bet blood diamond is based on a real person gilbert grape all right yeah now. all right now at least frank's paying attention mm -hmm. finally yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. i'm just saying he did more he's done more movies where he's play, playing a real person than i realized mm -hmm. until just this moment yeah even uh wolf of wall street he's playing oh a real yeah, person. yeah jordan uh, mm -hmm. balfour yeah what is his best role uh, I think catch me if you can. He's got more. I don't know. He has. He has, He can do. He does more with that than he does. And I like. I like his Jordan Belfort too. I, I don't think I've ever seen DiCaprio that funny in a movie before. He's yeah. outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I. He won the Revenant, right? Uh, yeah, but I don't think that's his best performance. No, it's no. not. Departed um, is great. He's great mm -hmm. in Departed. He is great mm -hmm. in Departed. He really did hold his hands that still. Yeah, and that I, was wild. I can't do it. That was wild. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, you want to chop me up and feed me to the poor? The is poor? that what you really want to do? <laughs> no. I would have to say Wolf of Wall Street, honestly, because yeah. he's so dynamic in that mm -hmm. uh, and so funny. But yeah, Catch Me If You Can is up there, too. Uh, I love it in Romeo and Juliet. I just can't stand the movie. Yeah. I, just, I think he's awesome in it. Mm -hmm. Actually, Claire Danes is awesome in it, too. It's just everything except the two of them in that movie needs to go. They are good in that, aren't they? Yeah. I never really thought about it. I hate that no. movie so much. Now, there's a movie you can't walk out, walk out two-thirds of the way through. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. Brought us back, baby. Brought us back. Um... Uh, the next two that I have have this same sort of, uh, idea. Um, Ex Machina is one that I think Ooh. if you walked out two thirds of the way through, it's easy if you were to watch Ex Machina to just go, oh, well, you know, Caleb is going to get Ava out of her prison. Mm -hmm. They're going to get in that helicopter and they're going to fly away and everything's and it'll be an uncertain future once that happens mm -hmm. but there he's gonna do it mm -hmm. and and you would be forgiven for thinking that now i don't know why you would want to walk out walk away from ex machina okay. two-thirds of the way through but if you did then you were gonna miss the discussion that you're gonna have with yourself after this mm -hmm. where she fucking fucks over caleb so hard she does and all in the name of like i'm just getting the fuck out of here i'm i'm here for my old ass shit man cold ass robot shit yeah exactly and um and uh and uh this this extremely absurdly wealthy guy sort of 
get I, I getting his comeuppance i don't know if he needs to die but he <laughs> he I, think about all the evil shit he did to accomplish to accumulate this kind of wealth and this you know this land where they're flying over it and is like when do we get to the to his property we've been flying over it for the past 15 yeah. minutes yeah. And, uh, and you know and and, and you know when he, and then he shows him like you know he talks about all the cell phones and all the spying he's done to get Ava to be the to be the most uh, representative human uh, as he can he's done a lot of evil shit to get mm-hmm. to this point uh but uh but no i don't i don't think he deserves to die but i think he definitely deserves a good stab in the now nah, just kidding um, i don't think i've heard you you may have said this before but i don't know if i've heard that take from you um you're right right what do you that he doesn't deserve to die i don't think he does no nobody deserves to die for that like i i don't know if he's done anything it depends, I guess, on what you think uh, of his creation of AI, right? Because yeah. Because that that whole sequence of him being so if you think violent to... his creations truly are really human and have felt pain from what he's done, then yeah, maybe, maybe he, he does. I think that's that what the movie. Like a sex slave. Yeah, he did. I think yeah. that's what the movie is saying, right? By showing us that there's also freak. that whole yeah. layer we never talk about of his tech evils. And the way yeah. that he's yeah. harvesting everybody's information, the way he even picks Donald Gleason. Mm-hmm. I don't think he deserved to die, but I think he deserves to be cut a little bit. Yeah, cut a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he deserves to die. Maybe it's just the movie Yes, he deserves me. to die, and I hope he burns in hell! Yeah, it's that's it's probably what the movie intends me to think, and I'm just going along with it. But you have to think of, movie is tricking us, in not tricking us, convincing us that ava has sentience has passes the touring test right right but i i think that i think the program is so complex that we 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 anthropomorphize these uh these ai characters because i don't think behind that all of that expression and everything that she knows gets her what she wants is there is there a desire of any kind other than just to be free and that's it that the i mean there's no well, that's what the movie's really asking right what what makes sentience it's not passing the turing test because she does pass the turing test but she shows zero compassion mm-hmm. so she's she's not human i think that's why the movie's fascinating is that she's she's both she both fulfills the requirements and does not quite fulfill the requirements and now she's fucking out there, man. What's she going to invent? What's she going to make? Well, that's the singularity, right? I mean, yeah. that's the... And I guess, yeah, it comes down to whether you think he has committed murder mm-hmm. uh, by doing all this to his creations. And you could argue that uh, even Kiko, Kiko, Kiki, Kiko, um, the, uh, the other AI, mm-hmm. she's not as advanced as Ava, Eva. Yeah. Um, so... It is Ava. It is Ava. So the ones that he viciously tore apart earlier, did they even meet the criteria? Because right. Ava just barely meets it now, it right? It does look like 
a such a cruel thing when we see all the times he's smashed these things up, right? But I didn't think you deserved to die when you threw your wallet at your TV and destroyed it. Right, 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 exactly. It's a machine. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of amazing how that has just come up all of a sudden it's, uh, in it's everything. Legs, man. I thought you it's wrote that sin. No. No, Who Jonathan wrote, wrote it. Jonathan wrote. <laughs> well, and Jonathan actually alluded to it in Slack before the. Well, he may have actually written that sin before he wrote it on Slack, but <laughs> but the the sin said throw your remote control at it, and I wrote a note saying it was my wallet, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, "Bitch." Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things where you're sitting there going, oh, the wallet won't do anything. And I, I tried to do the most delicate thing that I was thinking at the time, and it smashed the shit out of that fucking TV. Well, I'm glad you didn't die after that. That's, I, I'm glad I didn't die, too. I was, that was touch and go there for a second. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, ah, good, good How one. long is that ending? Oh, God. Uh, 40 it's a minutes? Long time. It's a long time. 40, 45 minutes. Because it doesn't right? take him long, actually, in movie time to get to that mountain. Yeah. The mountain the mountain scene is just a real slow build. Yep. Like, you get to know all these characters. You see why they're here, blah, blah, blah. This yep. is what we're doing. And then the ships the ships coming in take forever. Yep. And, but it's, yeah, because they send the little ones in first, right? And then they send the big one, yeah. and then the big one leaves, and then it comes back and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you you watch that, and it's like, uh, it's like you're fast. I mean, this is still, to me, the quintessential alien movie. Mm-hmm. This is oh, yeah. because there's more wonder in this movie than yep. any alien movie that's that's come afterwards. So I anyway. agree. I agree. And I just think if you if you somehow were forced to not see the end, if you only saw the first two-thirds... You might think he was insane. Yeah. And I could argue the movie wants you to be leaning that direction so that when we get to the end and you realize, holy shit, he's telling the truth. And there's all these other people out there that have the same experience. Oh, that's an alien right fucking there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, And I just feel like it's it's probably the best example I came up with in terms of it's a completely different movie. If you don't watch the last third, Uh, it's good. It's still great. That first scene when the lights come and rattle his car, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And he starts making mashed potato things, and (laughs) his wife is like, legitimately brings the mud in. Do I do with this? Yeah. And, you know, it turns out it's not really his fault. (laughs) He's being called, uh, as are these other people. Uh, I love this movie. Mm -hmm. I might even. If Jaws weren't sitting there, this would be my favorite Spielberg. I think there's a lot of holy shit moments at the the end of that mm-hmm. that whole thing because you've got the arrival of the the little ones, you've got seeing the base up there, mm-hmm. you got sudden Bob Balaban, mm-hmm. yep. sudden Francois Truffaut, yep, um, and then you have what what does take forever, but it's beautiful. The the you see some of the the big ship. And you're like, oh, that's probably it. And then it turns upside down. You're like, holy mm-hmm. fuck, that's mm-hmm. a lot of ship. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the the naval officers coming off. And then you've got uh, the kid coming off. Then you've got his decision to go yeah. at the very end. And then you finally see the aliens. And you're like, Ew. The only thing about that movie that isn't perfect to me is the Melinda Dillon and her, her kid thing. The aliens come and abduct her kid. Mm-hmm. 
And then, what, a week later, they're coming back with him? Yeah. After they've had these other people for maybe 50 years? He made everybody sick, maybe. He's a snotty little bastard. Yeah, it could be. Know. could mm-hmm. be. You don't bring kids on to Doesn't your... wash his hands. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but I, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, all these people are coming back, and this guy's like, I am I was in this regiment in World War II, and all those other types of... <laughs> yeah, like, Meanwhile, this, this asshole kid gets a week long away, <laughs> like, hey, and he's right, back. That's the best daycare you ever took me to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, my my least favorite part of this movie is that Richard Dreyfus abandons his entire family. Yes, he's being called for a higher purpose, but man, he's like, see you, Terry Gar and my beautiful kids. That is that is a, a weird thing, right? Like, uh, like, I don't know what you would do if you were in that kind of... It, it does have the uh the 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 traits of of being a, a sort of a he needs help right it's mm. a, but you know if you're if, if you're not i don't know how how would you go to a doctor and solve that because he's gonna always feel that way how would he not go right yeah, yeah. i mean if he goes back home and, he's like all right guys good to meet you he, <laughs> head back he, to the fan and he certainly doesn't leave them on his own like he wants that to happen she leaves him yeah this is true um uh there there's a point where you know she's throwing stuff out the windows and stuff like that and it's like um i i don't know exactly what it's supposed i feel like what happened in the movie is exactly how it would happen yeah yeah i agree mm-hmm. i agree yep close encounters yeah close encounters i'm gonna keep with the hits here um Imagine if you you didn't see the end of Pulp Fiction. Mm. Mm. If you Mm. think about it, uh, as quirky as it is with the timeline, by the time they dispose of Marvin's body at Monster Joe's, everything is resolved, right? Uh, The only thing that's not resolved is why Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer were at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, though, Butch and, uh, and Marcellus are good. Uh... Vince of Vegas dead. Uh, Jules is walking the earth after he's done with this. Uh, they delivered the, the well, in the timeline, or in the, the movie, they delivered the, the uh, thing to him, uh, the case. Vince has been out with uh, Mia Wallace. Everything is pretty much done, except for that, uh, that. And this is why it's so brilliant. Just that little tease at the beginning. You could actually forget about it, right? It was just a quirky thing at the beginning of the, the movie, like a Tarantino type of thing. But he does come back to it, and he comes back to it so brilliantly. I mean, if you skip the diner scene, you skip so much context of what happens later on in that thing. Chris and I were talking the other day about, think about Vincent Vegas' day that day. He he wakes up super early, has the conversation on the way, the 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 the, uh, the McDonald's and the Le Big Mac. Yeah, uh, you dig and, it the most. <laughs> and the foot massage conversation. Then he kills... Uh, Brad, Brad, not Brett, uh, and the other guy. Then they kill Alexis Arquette. Then he, on the way back, he shoots Marvin in the face. He goes through the whole Bonnie situation. Uh, then he goes into the diner, has to go into this Mexican standoff and all that stuff. Then he delivers the fucking case to Marcellus. Then he goes, buys some heroin, shoots up, goes to Mia's place, fucking... Does all the Jackrabbit Slim stuff. Yeah, it's quite a then day. Then he's got the ODing bitch on his hands. <laughs> yeah, and He yeah. takes her to Eric Stoltz's house, and and then that's the end of his day. Like, yeah. he, well, he got going at, like, 6.30 a.m., and that's the end of his fucking and day. And then, arguably, a couple days later, he's shot dead on the toilet. Okay. I always wondered how long it was between the two. 
because you know you have that awkward uh interaction with him and mia yeah, uh, the only way you know, the only clue the movie gives is when Ving Rhames tells Bruce Willis on the night of the fifth, I think is what he says. He says the night of the fight. Night of the fight. So yeah. then we don't know what the night, when the night of the fight is then. Yeah. Even if he said night of the fifth, which he doesn't, but even if he said that, we don't know what day it is before exactly. that. So. Exactly. It could be a month, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, if you don't have that diner scene, you don't get that gap of what happens with the wolf in between the wolf and then him del- delivering mm-hmm. that thing uh-huh. i just want to go on record as saying i would much rather have gotten the once rumored vega brothers movie mm-hmm. than hateful eight or django yes i agree yeah i agree that uh you can't do it anymore they're way too fucking old but yes, when he had are. the idea in the mid 90s michael madsen and travolta could have pulled off younger versions of themselves and mm-hmm. that would have fucking ruled he could have done a from dust till dawn type of thing uh, road trip those two on a road trip well I, it almost seems like uh the gecko brothers in from dust till dawn were kind of like the vega brothers maybe you know what i mean mm, yeah criminals yeah. on the run killing rangers except one of them was a nerdy loser and they weren't both badass hulking yeah. giants uh, he was also awful too but. Mm-hmm. uh but yes the diner scene man you get the resolution of honey bunny and uh sugar plum sugar plum honey bunny pumpkin, pumpkin and honey bunny uh you get jules delivering that sugar fantastic plum. fucking speech mm-hmm. just the the greatest moment of that movie mm-hmm. arguably uh you get you get that whole resolution of, you know, what he's going to do. He almost convinces Vincent at that point about the miracle mm-hmm. before he has to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and everything about that is so perfect. You get them putting their uh, uh, their uh, guns in their little uh, shorts. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I mean, you could say that you could end the movie before that. But I think you would lose a ton of context, character, and beautifulness at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I don't even know if that's two thirds of the way movie through it, but it's definitely a large chunk at the end. I respect the answer to the question. That last section is is longer than you probably think. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's about thirty to forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, isn't Jules kind of like an NFL player these days where? They've been hit so many times, and and you get some of these people who are like, it's getting around 28, 29, and they're like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, yeah. And that's where he's gotten, because... Because he's in his prime, right? Because, yeah, he's he's uh, he's been doing this stuff for a long time, and this time he got he was lucky. He knows that there's only one way this ends. Mm-hmm. He's going to get end up getting shot by somebody. Mm-hmm. And a whole, the whole morning is like, is like has been telling him this. Mm-hmm uh and uh he makes the you know a lot of people have that hard time getting out of their lives because oh well this is something that i know and this is something that you know uh is comfortable to me uh and i've been doing it for years so why not do it for another 20 you don't have that long in this business no i mean you can argue he's maybe marcellus's second in command mm-hmm. right well behind uh the guy, the bartender guy. Yeah, uh, Flashy McJill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is his name? He's, what, he, well, he says at one point, my name's uh, 
my name's Paul, and this is between y'all, but he's not He's not Paul. No, no, no. His, yeah, his, yeah. his character, his actor's name, he's Paul Calderon. Paul Calderon. That's why. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't name. know what, I don't know who he, what the character name was. But he's around Marcellus, like, all the time. Like, even in, it, when they're looking for Butch mm. and all that stuff, uh, that kind of thing. But Jules is up there in the organization, mm-hmm. and this is arguably one of the biggest L.A. crime organizations. But you're right, there's, there's only one way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for him to be able to tell, first of all, he speaks to Marcellus the way nobody speaks to Marcellus mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. When he's uh, talking about before the wolf comes, like you ain't got no problem, Jules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sending the cavalry, which should be coming directly. Um, and even then, he's like, "Shit, that's all you had to say." Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He's still kind of <laughs> lippy with him. I know, <laughs> I know. And God bless him. And uh, but even. For him to entertain the notion of saying "I can get out" shows that he's he's up in this uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, uh, this organization. By the way, I think it was Paul Calderon who got hurt on the Last Castle, or he got sick, or something like that. Oh, wow! And that's how Jeremy got so many lines. Extra line. Isn't that what you told me back in the, in the day? Probably. Probably. Um, was that because he his character? I mean, well, because he was he got hurt or something on set. They started distributing some lines to him, and I guess maybe to some others too around the around the set. But that's how that's how uh, Cutbush got so. My many. favorite moment in that entire movie is him re- remembering the words to the Halls of Montezuma and starting to sing along with everybody yeah, else. Yeah, because he's like Halls of Montezuma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite moment of the whole movie. Um, my last one is Ten Cup. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah, oh. man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, Aces. I like this. You've seen a million sports movies. You know that the sports movie is geared towards that plucky underdog who finally wins at the end, beats the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in this year, you have uh, Happy Gilmore, <laughs> um, where, you know, you have uh, uh, Happy Gilmore uh, has to has to beat an evil evil golfer who's right. who's who's uh who's nice on the outside but uh you get catch him off guard he's an evil guy same thing in 10 cup um throughout this whole thing you're like okay here's this guy who's just a golf pro he's a he uh he helps out people with their swing and stupid shit like that but then he qualifies and i don't know what is it is it the, is it the u.s open yes. in 10 mm-hmm. um he qualifies for the u.s open and there is on the final 18 hole, there is this shot that he wants to make. He wants to hit it in one shot, get it on the green. And because everybody else is laying up and he hates that shit, <laughs> he hates that everybody lays up so that they can hit a nicer, nicer shot. And he hits it on the green the first time and it falls into the water. And, uh, he wants to right then and there. Yep. He wants to start shooting this ball like until he gets it right, but uh, Cheech Baron's like, "No, nah, man, come on, take your take your lie and let's go." He can on. he can still win at this point, right? Uh, well, well, this, this is the first, is the first day, the first round. The oh first, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. Thursday, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he he always keeps going for it. He hits it right into the water. I think the next two times. Yeah. Um, and then on the final one, he is he is in contention to beat Don Johnson at the end. Um and uh and he hits a perfect shot he even says like he's like we're home and uh and it's like nah. and you're like okay yeah i mean so 
Yeah, and most of the time, two thirds of the way through a movie, you're going like, okay, he's just going to win the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. right? This motherfucker <laughs> gets up. He's in contention. He's up by what two, one or two at that at this point. And it's a par five. So it's he's a par got. Five. If he drops, I'm just sorry. Yeah. yeah um. And uh, he 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 decides to go for it again. It hits the green. It looks like a perfect shot. But it rolls into the water. Yeah. And Cheech is like, all right, okay, we're just going to take your line. And he goes, ball. <laughs> and gets the ball and then and, and, uh, hits it. And uh, he, he has varying degrees of length where it just goes into the water or it rolls back down or whatever. And watching Cheech Marin in this, man, he's so good in this movie. He is. He's just like, he's just like, all right, I'm just resigned to this point or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, and then finally, you know, it's like, I love all the, the stuff, too. The announcers are like, somebody tackle this guy. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and he's like, and then finally, Cheech is like, he's like, you've only got one more ball, Roy. And he's like, I know I can make that shot. And he's like, well, do it. Stop fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so everybody at this point is like, man, what a fucking embarrassing meltdown this shit is. But then he hits it on the last ball. And he gets it on the it gets it on the green. He actually gets in the hole. Yeah, rolls yeah. in the cup. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and that's become the most exciting thing. Rene Russo sums it up at the end. No, like nobody's going to remember who won this thing at the end. They're yeah. going to remember your twelve, Roy. They're going to remember <laughs> your twelve. My God, it's immortal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, and what? And I love too. Just he at the end after he gets the ball into the hole. He goes over to pick it up and then throws it into the water. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and does that little that little whatever motion he does yeah, with like, his hand. Fuck that ball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, if you watch Ten Cup, you'd be like, ah, I fucking know where this is going. Cut yep. it off, and then you'd miss one of the best endings in the sports. Agreed. Movie. Did Ron Shelton do all the sports Costner movies? Well, I mean, there's two of them. Yeah, there's two movies. Bull Durham in that one, and then well, and then. Uh, uh, Field of Dreams. No, Phil no, Alden Robinson. That was Phil Alden Robinson. Oh, okay. And I then For Love of the Game was uh, Sam, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Okay. I think there's even one, two more. Um, Draft Day, which mm-hmm. was Nobody We've Named, and then McFarlane USA is a cross-country movie. I and like, then Molly's Game. I like <laughs> right. all Kevin Costner sports movies. I really do. Mm-hmm. He uh he did white men can't jump. That's funny. Or he he was the oh Ron Shelton did yeah. yeah Ron Shelton did. He likes sports. And he um, doesn't care who knows. Ivan Reitman did drafting. Oh wow, that's mm. interesting. Drafting is good. He I did like Cobb. Uh, Ron Shelton did Cobb. Um, so he's a baseball. Play it to the bone, which is a uh, boxing. Boxing, right? Sports no, he did a lot of sports movies, but he did two with Kevin Costner. Mm. And he also did Hollywood Homicide. Oh Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so for my last one, I'm two towers. Yeah. Now, yeah. this is essentially you would be missing the Battle of Helm's Deep. <clears throat> Don't Which miss would that. make this quite possibly the most boring movie you've ever seen. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because two towers, first two thirds is a lot of walking. Where's everybody at? Let's go over there and ask if they know where everybody's at. <laughs> hey, we found another person, but we lost one on the way. Hey, well, there's another person over there. Where's everybody at? And then finally, after two hours of that, we know where everybody's at, and they have a massive battle, mm. and it makes that the best movie in the whole trilogy for yes. me. Mm-hmm. But if you took that battle out, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in my it, God. It, yeah. All you would have is 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 him saying, "Gail, saying, look for me by morning," and 
you'd never see him again. (laughs) (laughs) Fucked you over. And you wouldn't have that glorious sun coming up over the hill and blinding you as Gandalf and the Rook here and come down. (laughs) I'm pretending to ride a horse, by the way. That's why they're laughing. Um, So, yeah, in terms of just completely, you know, changing your understanding of the movie and its scope and its contents... That that's the biggest one. I thought mm-hmm. you, you didn't watch. If you watch right up to Helm's Deep and stop, I pity you. God, you miss the you miss all the great that great stuff at the end too. The the, the ants finally deciding to attack. Oh yeah, <laughs> finally. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> only took uh, a couple millennia. And uh, and that you know I love I've always loved that part where you see that one tree that's on fire that goes over and dumps his head, <laughs> dumps his head yep. into the water. Yep. But there's that thing the with the with the Sam at the end, his speech at the end is fucking mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's the reason why the Two Towers has been my favorite Lord of the Rings movie, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot. I don't know if that's the the um, the popular choice. I honestly don't know. I think Fellowship gets most of the love. Oh mm-hmm. really? I think. Well, everybody agrees Return of the King goes on for too long. Yeah, and I think it's probably between two Two Towers and mm-hmm. Fellowship. Yeah. But I would guess more people like fellowship but yeah you're right especially because it's at the end of two towers that we get that whole Gollum smeagol talk too mm-hmm. that leads into the credits uh i forgot about that yeah that movie rules yeah that does. movie does rule how long did uh gandalf fight the balrog like well because he had to fight him all the weeks. way down right yeah weeks i'm pretty sure i read the books i'm pretty sure it's weeks I'm he had to sure fight he him, him all the way down to the bottom of the pit then they had to fight their way all the way, all the way back up to the top up. of the mountain. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Mm-hmm. So yeah, no wonder he's white. Yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pregnant pause. I actually read <laughs> fascinatingly the other day. I actually read that your your white gray hairs, for some people, it depends on your genetic makeup, can regain their color. They did a study with a bunch of people who were starting to go gray. And they all did uh, stress diaries. Hmm. And the the less stressed people had some of their gray hairs go back to being their normal color. Ooh, I'm so a fan of that. there's a direct, even though we're, we're old and the body gets old and does stuff, there's a direct correlation between stress and gray hair, not uh, just a colloquial one. Interesting, mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah, I need to all de-stress. Right, hit me. Uh, my last one is Parasite. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. ooh, God. Yeah. Every, every five minutes, there's a whole new movie. There really is. But, I mean, you could you could potentially, in the movie, um, when they're sleeping in, like, the, the, the massive, like, shelter, right? When they've gone through the flood, uh, the family, the rich family is basically perfectly fine right now. The poor family is back to being poor. Um, you know, they've gone through the adventure. I think at this point, have they killed the uh, people downstairs yet? Or the the woman downstairs yet? I think so. By the time they flee... No, it's not. Because... I know I'm the, relitigating the flood this happens thing. earlier in the movie, I flood think. flood does because they have to leave... No. Let me think about this for a second. Because it starts raining when they're crashing... And then the woman shows up, yes. and then they the, she shows him them the inadvertently they show him the the basement and everything. Well, I mean, she has to at this point show yeah. him the basement, and then and then there's the misunderstandings, yeah, and that then lead to <laughs> yeah he he shoves her down the stairs, and that's where she gets the thing. 
the deputy in no country for old men mm-hmm. summarizing the, the scene he's like getting ready to make the exchange whoa differences yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway you could you could cut it there and like everybody's kind of back to their uh their stations but then if you don't you don't get the birthday party, and you don't get all of those crazy twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Stabby you Joe. Have, she, she dies. Then you got basement guy coming up, uh, smacking uh, homeboy on the head. At this point, nobody is found out, right? Like, rich family doesn't know anything about poor family. Mm-hmm. Rich family still doesn't know about basement guy. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's just kind of going along their business. Um, but, yeah, smacks a kid over the head. Comes out, stabby Joe, Stop and then, <laughs> and then the father. <laughs> then you get the twist at the very end, where the father is unaccounted for, and you get all that thing. And then you have the dream sequence uh, with the the son. God, what a movie! Can you imagine how bewildering that is to everybody else in the movie that like, like who watches what happens? Uh, in, like, there's some random crazy guy that yeah. shows up. Yeah. And then the guy that was employed by this family shoots the, I mean, it's, there's so much like, like you, you just, if you're, if, if you're that family, you're just like, you're, you're obviously you're, you're, um, you know, mourning, but you're also going, what the fuck was yes. that? <laughs> yes. What the fuck was it? I do love that the, uh, the movie pulls a bait and switch on, you know, the, the boy gets hit first mm-hmm. and you're like there's no way he survived that mm-hmm. and then you're like oh well he's got a knife somebody's gonna tackle him and mm-hmm. that kind of thing uh but no stabby joe gets this mm-hmm. gets his thing yeah it's a stab on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. god that movie's so amazing but if you imagine missing that ending god you would be like first of all you'd be like what the fuck was that um uh, but i think also if you walked out right as they're they're in that shelter and all that stuff you would think, okay, that's resolved, right? Everybody's back in their own place. None of this really meant You certainly anything. wouldn't expect anything that happens after that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but again, you would be deprived of, of probably the best part of the movie, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie's, that movie's perfection. Yeah, it is. Have you uh, have you watched it anymore since uh, you had that run of like three or four times in a row? Uh, I don't think so. No, uh, I'm due though. Yeah, it's been more than a year, and I'm due for another watch. I wish. I wish it would show up on one of these movie channels. Some movies just never seem to show up on the movie channels. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's it's bewildering to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. It could be a number of things. The, the whatever studio ran it, or probably because a- it's a Korean film. I wouldn't be surprised. I know the way he did Snowpiercer was that he used non Hollywood money. Mm-hmm. but hired all Hollywood crews mm-hmm. so that he could call all the shots without having to answer to typical Hollywood money men. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he still does that and some Korean company has the rights to streaming and so you can't see it on HBO. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, man, I tried to watch your Okja movie. Okja! Can't get into it. No! Um, can't get into it. I don't know why. Uh, That's the saddest thing I ever heard. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, uh, we may have some recommends and warns. Recca. Recca. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Recommend. Yeah. I saw a movie I will recommend. It's called A Most Wanted Man. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman playing a German spy. It's his last role, right? Oh. Or last, I think Hunger Games last one was his last one, but I think this was his second to last. I don't know. This is one of those remember. that I did not recognize the name. I saw he was in it, um, and Rachel McAdams is in it, mm-hmm. and uh, Sean Penn's ex wife. <laughs> Robin Wright. Robin Wright is in it. And Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Now this I'm not this is not a full throated A plus recommend. This is a solid B B plus spy thriller. Reminded me very much of some of the better episodes of Homeland. Mm. If you've ever seen Homeland. Mm-hmm. Basically This is uh, a book based on a book uh, John Le Carre. I didn't know who that is. Uh, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Okay. The so Russia has, House. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That was one of Michelle Pfeiffer's finest movies. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, Philip Seymour Hoffman is basically playing this, it's kind of like The Wire, in that he's playing this game of catch a small fish, turn them, use them to catch a bigger fish, turn them, use them to catch a bigger fish, turn them, and now we're catching a multi-million dollar terror financer. Mm-hmm. And Rachel McAdams is one of the little fish, um, and she's hiding. Um, she's an immigration lawyer, so she gets tangled up with somebody that may or may not have ties to terrorist organization. It turns out his dad did. So she's hiding this guy who she believes to be innocent, and Philip Seymour Hoffman and his goons grab her. Hmm. And first they interrogate, and then they start playing with her mind, making her not trust this guy. Um, and then ultimately they make her realize you were your only hope. And so she agrees to cooperate. And so she starts working with them and then they get this other fish, the guy that's staying with her because he's got a bunch of his dad's dirty terrorist money and he doesn't know what to do with it, but it's hurting his soul and he needs to unload it. Mm. They convince that you need to unload it on this guy. He's totally a good guy. He'll take all your money. They know this guy's a terrorist. (laughs) So now they've got this guy they're trying to hook in, and it just keeps going and going, and right at the very end, they're about t- to get their main target. They've been going after the whole movie, and some unexpected shit happens. Mm. Don't walk out two-thirds of the way into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was pretty riveted. Um, there, there was no scene that made me go, hot damn, this is the scene I'm going to tell them about. Uh, it's a pretty subdued performance for Philip Seymour Hoffman. You could subtitle this movie... Uh, dude loves to smoke <laughs> because he is smoking a new cigarette every time the camera cuts to him. Mm. Um, as a former smoker, it's one of the first times I've noticed smoking mm. so prevalent in a movie since I quit. Um, Rachel McAdams is great as always. Um, and, uh, Sean Penn's wife is great as always. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's just a solid, uh, you know, if you liked 24 or Alias, if you liked Homeland. Um, I, I do like I think those. you would enjoy this movie um, as I did. So there you go. It's called A Most Wanted Man. I think I have this on Blu-ray somewhere. That would make perfect sense. Yeah. Yep. You probably have Existo on Blu-ray. I don't have Existo, what unfortunately. Existo? A deep cut Nashville movie that I thought Chris would know and you wouldn't. Um <laughs> So what year was that? 97, 98? Somewhere around there, yeah. Basically, anybody who was anybody in the Nashville acting scene, Josh and Jeremy Childs, David Alford, uh, made this movie, I forget who the guy that directed it was, called Existo, and they had a premiere in Green Hills at the film festival, and I went, because my buddies were in it, and the only thing I remember is a guy on a bouncy ball singing the fucking A song. And he's like got clown makeup, and he's like, fuck it A! Fuck it A! Fuck it A! <laughs> is it a Harmony Karine? No, it's a, a Coke Sam's and uh, and um, uh, Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Um, but uh, yeah, all it's the who's who of Nashville actors that are in this uh, huh. that in, in this movie. And I don't remember trying, it being very good. Trying to remember if I saw it. <laughs> I don't even know if I saw it. I may have. I think I did. I just don't remember anything. Well, it was weird as fuck. That's what I remember. Yeah. Well, a, a most wanted man was uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's last completed movie. Okay, so he, had he was started, in the middle of uh, okay. filming. Yeah, and they started Mocking doing the uh, digital insertion stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was on movie actually, most wanted man, and I actually really wanted to watch it. But so this is a recommend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not top of the top of the pops. Or yeah, there's like nothing that. in it. I would warn, so it's not a record warn, but it's not the kind of recommend where I'm like A plus, everyone's gonna love it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I finally got around to seeing The Father. The oh, other. Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, this is the Dimension movie, right? The Yes, Dimension movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, the, the, it's now uh, famous for being the movie that uh, I think ruined the Oscars telecast plans. Uh, because they thought Chadwick Boseman was going to win, yeah, and uh, and then we had that very abrupt uh, winners Anthony Hopkins. All right, credits. All right, <laughs> um, that's exactly how it was. Mm-hmm. We were actually watching it live, you and me were, uh, and you weren't. You had turned it off by this point, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and we were like, yeah, it was because because that was. They did best picture before they did best actor yeah, and actress. They right? they obviously thought that Chadwick Boseman was going to win, and yeah. they were going to have a nice ending to the to the show. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And then it ended I mean, up it's being, not uh, awesome, but yeah, it ended up being Anthony Hopkins. And uh, anyway, yes, this is this is a, a movie where he plays a man with dementia, and I don't know. There's probably other movies that do this, but I don't know if I've seen a drama before where. The person who has dementia, we're seeing it from their perspective. That's awesome. That's a, a very interesting twist. Yeah. Um, like other movies, like, you know, <laughs> I know this is a really fucking weird movie to come up with, like Dear John, where Channing Tatum uh, is dealing with his dad. Richard Jenkins has dementia in that movie, or Alzheimer's, I can't remember. Uh, it always seems to be something that affects the main character in some way um that that's part of their characters that they take care of that person yeah. and everything this one is more about because he wait like the very first scene of this is you know uh he, olivia coleman who's playing his daughter 
comes in and says, uh, says I'm, I'm going to have to leave you here uh, in London. I'm sorry. I, I've met somebody. We're, we're going to be living in Paris and, uh, and, and it's very important to me. So you're going to have to be left here. Now he's in his apartment uh, and he, and she's been hired. She's tried to hire these caretakers to come in and, and every one of them that comes in, it seems like he, says something wrong to them or does something that he's very difficult in this movie. Anthony Hopkins is, uh, in, in addition to the dementia, he's kind of a, he's kind of a, um, a dick. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so a lot of the times they'll come in and there's a point where Imogene Poots comes in and plays uh, one of the caretakers. And, uh, and he, and he's like, he reminds, she reminds me of, of, uh, the, of, of Olivia Coleman's sister. And he's always bringing her up, and we kind of know through the context that something happened to the sister. We don't know, but he's he thinks that she's still alive. She never gets around uh, to her. She never gets in contact with me. I, said, uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, blah blah blah. But she reminds me of her. And then like there's a point where Imogene Poots is just kind of laughing, like <laughs> he's like exactly. She she uh, she 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 used to laugh in that terrible manner, like like uh, like uh, you know, <laughs> and like uh, in, in, in in that inane way that she used to do. And Imogene Poots, you can see him go, her go. <laughs> you know and um and uh then there's another scene that that's in, that where olivia williams comes in and she's the daughter and she's actually a representation of we don't know daughter. who's who in this olivia williams is playing Anne. Uh, just like Olivia Coleman did in the mm. previous scene, mm. it's a brilliant kind of piece of casting, by the way. Two Olivias, yeah. and one of them kind of looks like the other in some ways. Um, and 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 she comes in, and then he there. There's these scenes that play out that repeat, but with different people in them. Um, there's a point where Rufus Sewell is the is the is the uh, is uh, Olivia Coleman's husband. Uh, she keeps saying, I'm not married anymore. I got divorced, but he keeps seeing this husband or whatever. Uh, there's the guy who played, um, Sherlock Holmes brother in the movies that, uh, is shows up in this too. Um, not, well, wait a minute, not in the movies, maybe in the series. Can't remember that dude's name. Um, Mycroft. The, the uh, yeah, Mycroft. I think it's in the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock that he plays. I know exactly who you're talking about. He, I yeah. I can't name. remember the name. I can't remember the name right now, but. He plays the husband sometimes, hmm. and then you know, and then he'll have he'll say he'll something will happen and he'll refer to it, and then Olivia Coleman goes, "What are you talking about? There's nobody here, or there's or there's, uh, you know, it's the guy who brought in the chicken. Chicken, we don't have any chicken here. Mm. And this is after we just saw the the same things that he saw. So this mm. movie is is uh very heartbreaking throughout. Uh, I don't. I recommend it because it is a great movie. Uh, just don't go in expecting by the end of it, a lot of things are going to be rosy by the end of it. Um, uh, but it is, it, it has a, just a tremendously touching ending. Um, I, I highly recommend, highly recommend it. At first, I don't, didn't know what to think of this because the, I can only, we can, we can only imagine what it's like to have dementia, right? Mm-hmm. It's frustrating to watch. Just imagine how frustrating it is to experience. And and I was like sitting there going, God damn it. There's a point where Olivia Coleman says, I'm going to Paris. And then the, the, for the rest of the movie, she's like, oh, dad, I'm not going to Paris. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wow. And then 
later on she says i'm going to paris and then he and then he's 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 resigned to the fact that she is going to paris i mean that she hasn't gone to paris someone comes in and says uh yeah your daughter's been gone for a few months to paris and he goes no no she said that she wasn't going oh my god this thing about that how the how many walls of you know of uh i don't know what you would call it to get to that point where you're remembering you're not only remembering her saying something she didn't say mm. but then you've gotten resolved to you've resolved to uh something that i guess she never rescinded i don't know what i don't know how you, it's there's an, an insane amount of like uh uh just i don't know uh there's an insane amount of things that you have to go through to get to that point and I, it's, it's just it's sad you know you're watching anthony hopkins this guy is He's he's the, he's there's no there's a reason why he won the Oscar. So. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This is an episode of ER. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, that the gal from Sex and City, uh, Cynthia Nixon? Nixon, is a guest star. She has a stroke. Mm-hmm. You remember this mm-hmm. in the beginning of the ER episode, and the whole rest of the episode, you're seeing her treatment from her perspective. And you're hearing what she's saying, yeah. but she can't say it, mm-hmm. and they can't hear her saying it because she's had a stroke. And mm-hmm. it was it scared the bejesus out of me yeah, when I saw course, this yeah. episode yeah. because I had never understood a stroke in that manner. And to think about like that you're able to process what's going on, but not able to communicate anything to mm-hmm. anyone. This reminds me of that—a way of putting you in the shoes of that person through filming technique or writing technique uh i'm gonna have to watch this movie yeah 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 um yeah definitely definitely i would i think you would love this movie actually hmm. um uh in that same vein the diving bell and the butterfly i don't know if you've ever seen i that haven't movie. seen that that's a it's great back, right? fucking no it's not it's um oh i'm thinking about uh the the squid squid the whale, the whale yeah the uh this the diving bell and the butterfly is about a guy who has had a stroke yeah and he is and he can he can only move his, his eye. eyes yeah, yeah, yeah so they have to invent a way for him to to uh to communicate in this and just there are times where they come in and the, this language that they come up with is so slow mm. that it's impossible for him to express certain things in certain situations and everything and that movie is great too just talk about a movie to talk about a depressing double feature but they're both great <laughs> um diving bell and the butterfly and the father but uh, interesting yeah one of the things that was so unsettling in my uh, previous career was they had this um, new technology in 2010, something like that. Uh, it was a VR headset for schizophrenia. Mm. And so schizophrenia was originally named dementia precox because it's a cognitive disorder. Uh, but when you put this this VR thing on, it gives you all the, the stuff, the audio stuff. There's a... There's a uh, olfactory thing. There's smells that come out from nowhere. Uh, and then, of course, the VR where you're looking over. Something will be there very clearly. And then you look over, and then that, that thing is gone. Hmm. It wasn't like, you know, hallucinations of ghouls or goblins or anything like that. It was just practical stuff that people with schizophrenia have. You hear the murmuring in the background. It's not like somebody whispering straight in your ear. It's not like a beautiful mind where there's fully formed Ed Harris's and shit. Where it's like, oh well, you know all that stuff going on, and uh, they they had all of us uh, go through it. It was it was scary. Hmm. It was very very scary. Um, scary. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are finally they just passed an FDA 
approval of an Alzheimer's drug that targets plaques. Ooh. So, yeah. So that's that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, to tie this up, Mark Gaddis is who you were thinking about to play Mycroft on Sherlock. Yes. Um, he looks exactly like Jared Harris, so I thought he was Well, Jared yeah. In, in, in fact, when he first showed up, I was like, oh, Jared Harris. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 not him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mark Gaddis is who, who I was thinking of. He's been in a million stuff. He, he's, he's great. Uh, I'm going to keep it really, really current. And go with the 2002 movie called The Sweetest Thing. Ah. This got a little bit of love on Twitter a few weeks ago where people were saying, somebody, like somebody, an influencer said, boy, they don't make raunchy female-based comedies like The Sweetest Thing anymore. Mm -hmm. First off, respect to whoever said that. Maybe they don't exactly like The Sweetest Thing. Uh but they, they have made a lot of raunchy female-led comedies. Rough Night, Bridesmaids, Girl Strip, um, Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> Ghostbusters was so raunchy. <laughs> such a raunchy movie. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, they have. But not exactly like the sweetest thing. Um, and I'm glad they don't because this movie's terrible. Mm. I remembered liking it. Mm-hmm. Very 2002. This is uh, Christina Applegate and Cameron Diaz being forward-thinking ladies. They live in San Francisco, and they fuck dudes, that's and they right. don't call them back mm-hmm. the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that's cool. And so they take Selma Blair is their other friend, and they take her out uh, because she just broke up with her, her boyfriend. And they're like, fuck, baby, you're fine. Uh, you got to play the game play the game you don't need to be beholden to one one peen mm-hmm. you got to get out that's there right. and have more peens that's right mm-hmm. peens mm-hmm. multiple peens multiple peens and so they take her out dancing and all of a sudden this one night all of a sudden uh cameron diaz runs into thomas jane blonde thomas jane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and uh and she gets a connection with him it's only been one night they, they only have a conversation for like maybe three minutes but uh the next day, she finds out that she's in love. He's in town just for one night <clears throat> because he's the, somebody's getting married the next day. And his brother, Jason Bateman, this is Jason Bateman in his dodgeball and kind of like asshole phase, mm-hmm. like kind of weird alt Jason Bateman phase, right before Arrested Development, I think. Uh, and uh, when did Arrested Development start? I think 2004. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, he's hilarious in this, by the way. Um but he's acting like a drunk asshole, so you assume he's the one getting married. Thomas Jane's a good mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so she finds out that uh, the wedding is going to be a little north of the, the city. So she and Christina Aguilera. Agu- That's right, Christina Aguilera. You were right. You are right the first time. <laughs> she and Christina Applegate go on a road trip to go to this, uh, this thing. Sexy hijinks ensue where they have to strip down uh, to their to their panties. <laughs> their panties. Their yes. panties and their bras. And they joke about how it's it's laundry day, so they don't have the best panties on. Mm-hmm. There's a glory hole involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, the humor is just all over the place, man. I don't get this movie, and it's not because I'm a woman. I don't think. I don't think. It's. It, I do appreciate the fact that they're great friends, and there's no conflict that really happens 
between the two main characters, or even for Selma Blair for that. She fucks an elephant, by the way, in this uh, in this movie. That's that's what the you do, dude, in mm-hmm. an elephant costume. Oh, you might take him upstairs. She takes him upstairs and starts fucking him while he's got the the elephant headgear on. Does she know who's in there? Yeah, yeah, she knows. Well, good. It's the guy from the oh, the previous night. I would hope so. There's a, there's a whole bit about uh, cum stain. <laughs> a whole bit about it, huh? A whole bit. It made me think. There really is, uh, because Selma Blair borrowed Christina Applegate's uh, dress, and she she gave the blowy, and the 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 sperm went down the the dress. I gotcha. And so she's got to take it to get cleaned, and blah blah blah. But it made me think, Cameron Diaz has a history with uh she does. jism she does between there's something about mary she swallowed it in uh, vanilla sky she mm-hmm. did now you got a sperm dress in the sweetest Indeed. thing there's uh, uh, there's probably some other jism based mm-hmm. cameron diaz performances yeah like shrek <laughs> i think my i think my favorite thing about the sweetest thing is that it's based on a u2 song yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they made a whole movie out of that. I guarantee you that raunchy... song's in the soundtrack of that movie. It's not. Fuck you. It's not. Well, I, I said fuck mm-hmm. you. I didn't disagree. <laughs> it is funny that uh, the guy who directed this, Roger Cumble, did the cruel and uh, directed Cruel Intentions and Cruel Intentions Two. Yeah, he did. And then he did this. Yeah, he did. He did another Cruel Intentions later on, a TV movie, Cruel Intentions. Did he uh, really? Yeah, which this has guy, Sarah Michelle Geller in it. This guy likes what? Some, one? Huh? She came back for the TV movie? Yeah, she did. Wow. This I didn't even know this existed. It I was like either. in 2016. She's playing like, she's like the older, she's probably like narrating the younger kid's story or something. It says 15 years after the death of her brother, villainous Catherine Martuzzi <laughs> seeks to manipulate her nephew Bash and gain control of the Bash? family. Yeah. <laughs> And gain control of the family business, Valmont International. <laughs> Bash Valmont. Bash it's got Val- a, it's got a 7.5, although Whoa. 336 votes. Mm. So everybody who loved Cruel Intentions ever watched that movie, and then they went to vote on IMDb. Uh, did you ever see Cruel Intentions 2? No. I wonder if Selma Blair was in that. I haven't, but I've, I have seen American Psycho 2 twice. Yeah, you, you know who was in Cruel Intentions 2? Ryan Phillippe. Amy Adams. <laughs> wow. I knew that somehow. I saw that when I was pulling up her IMDb. That's crazy. Um, I, wa- I kind of want to watch that. I, I kind of want to watch this now, too. Do you have it on Blu-ray? <laughs> I don't. If I did, I would, I would immediately give it to you. <laughs> anyway, yeah. this, is a, this is a warn. I wanted to like it because I like off-kilter raunchy comedies like this and you know 2002 cameron diaz isn't isn't too hard on we the should, eyes we should talk about the punisher just to get all the thomas jane shit <laughs> out of the way in one episode indeed tommy J out there but yeah don't watch this movie uh even if well i mean I don't just care. don't i don't give a just shit don't. Mm-hmm. i don't give a shit what yeah you do. exactly it's your life it's your funeral we're we gonna do one more yeah man oh one more recommend or warn Sure, but I can't talk very much on this because I stopped watching about two thirds of the way through. <laughs> we can move to questions. We can if do you questions. Want to. Let's do questions. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. We've got a juicy one. We've got a few juicy ones. Which one do I want? That's a juicy meatball. Wait, that's a spicy. That's a spicy meatball. Juice of juice. 
juicy juice. <laughs> a I swallowed your cum. <laughs> uh, it's, you've been inside me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I like this one. I'm going to start off with this one. Do you guys think there might be a curse to get a great and memorable villain role early in your career? Villain. I missed that part. That's all right. <laughs> uh, two guys that comes to this person's mind are uh, Robert Patrick and Ted Levine. Both got a great start in 1991 with, excuse me, uh, with Terminator 2 and Silence of the Lambs, respectively. Uh, easily their best work. Both of them had have, have had pretty prolific careers as character actors afterwards, but never really got back to that level again with those amazing performances. What do you guys think? This is close to a typecasting question. Yep. Um, because in both of those instances, Robert Patrick and Ted Levine played villains that were so unique uh, and acted in such a cer certain way that when you saw them again, that's exactly what you thought of mm -hmm. their of any character that they played. Uh, so I I I don't think there's a curse because there are several uh, who have played in the past villains who I mean, here's one: Edward Norton and Primal Fear. Mm -hmm. I think it's either his first movie ever or it's it's close to it. Uh, it's the first time we ever really heard of Edward Norton. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that is a, a tremendous role that put him on the map. He was on. He was in everything after Primal Fear. Mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't sit there and think of his character from Primal Fear every time we watched a movie after that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there was no, uh, you know, there was no typecasting or whatever you want to call it that made us, uh, you know, not believe him in these other roles. Uh, but by the same token, somebody like Sharon Stone plays a villain in ba Basic Instinct and is cast completely in sexy thrillers after that for, sure is. for two or three years mm -hmm. before finally saying, fuck this, I'm going to produce my own movie with Sam Raimi and do Quick and the Dead. And I'm going to work with I'm going to work with Scorsese and do Casino with mm -hmm. uh, Robert Patrick. Y yeah. Isn't mm -hmm. he in that movie? In which movie? Casino. I don't remember him in Casino. Fuck! I'm sorry. I wanted to say yeah, and I did say yeah. But well, no. go on. Go on with your bad self. I'm um, going on. <laughs> but in 1995, she clearly was like, I'm tired of this fucking bullshit. <laughs> the slivers and the, the fucking... Uh, well, and if you've seen any of the snippets from her memoir she just put out, you understand why. Like, I want to read that. Oh, dude. Yeah. The snippets are incredible. Like... like the audition she had to do with whoever was eating the molted milk balls, that's an outrageous story. Mm -hmm. And then the famous crotch scene in Basic Instinct, they flat out told her, your underwear is glaring on the camera. We have to have you take it off so there won't be a glare, but no one's going to see anything. Oh, no. Yeah, they just lied to her. And she's got a story like that for every movie she was in. Wow. Um and she's not pulling any punches anymore. I want to read that too. I definitely to want to read that. I think she's an extremely interesting person. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, I you know it's sad though because in 1995, even though she did the Quick and the Dead, I don't think people bought her as the character she played in the Quick and the Dead. Mm. Casino, she got an Oscar nomination. Yep, uh, and she's great in that movie. She is. After that, I feel like she had a really hard time finding uh, her footing. Mm -hmm. um the best role she may have had after that was the muse the albert brooks movie uh where she's playing his muse in the movie 
uh, that's probably as close as she got to being like, and then after that, you know, okay. Back to basic instinct two, which is a terrible movie. Um, she did broken flowers, but she's not, she, yeah, she plays one of the many women that Bill Murray visits in that movie. Um, Oh, she did, uh, that one. We all love alpha dog, alpha dog. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. So she, she has some moments, but she never broke out the way I think she could have. I, I, I think that, I think that uh, that's mainly because other people had a lower expectation of her than uh, than uh, maybe she did of herself or whatever. But I think she could have been great in a number of roles after after that. Because she's aside from all the you know the obvious stuff that you notice in Basic Instinct, she's great in Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I mean, yeah, it's easy to it's easy to look at her and go, oh well, look at this. She's a blonde, sexy, you know, whatever. She can't play anything that's like heady or whatever. And I think people were wrong about that. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait to read that memoir. She uh, she had some impossible sex in the specialist, right? She did. Yeah. It was like a standing up. They're like right next to each other, but somehow he's getting up. In yeah, there. or as Bill Burr says in one of his. Like I don't know how people have stand up and have sex in the movies. Like they got the U shaped dick or something. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been for Sly. He's a, he's shorter than her though. I think so. so I guess uh, I guess he could have had he some maybe upward, so maybe so upward yeah, some uh, upward thrust. Yeah, yeah. Well, I somehow that's confused awesome. striptease with casino. Oh really? And that's why I thought Robert Patrick was <laughs> in casino. Well, that's understandable. Well then, let's see. How- <laughs> I, I, I honestly think it's. I honestly think he plays a similar character. To is it James Woods in Casino? That's like oh, it could yeah. be her husband. That's kind of a dipshit. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a total dipshit. I think Robert Patrick is playing a similar character in Striptease. Is uh, he to be Moore's husband? I think that? so. Yeah. That's a wire cross there. My apologies. That's my, right. my apologies. <laughs> well, I missed the villain part of this question, so my answers are really stupid. <laughs> I put Mini Driver, uh, who's ter- not a villain, but burst onto the scene with that. Irish movie, Circle of Friends, Circle of Friends, and then uh, Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. and has continued acting steadily up until today. She's been on a bunch of TV shows, but I don't think she's ever had anything as high. Pro- a gross point blank, as mm-hmm. kind of like her last high profile role. Um, and then she's moved more into a character kind of a role. And I also she was the diva and fan of the opera. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Guy Pierce is kind of in a similar place because he comes out with Memento. Yep. And he's a leading man for about two or three years. I'm not counting Monte Cristo, Time Machine, which I watched a little bit of the other day. Really? Um, the I, Space Jail movie? <laughs> that's different. That's like a B leading man. But then he ends up doing, he ends up in more roles like Prometheus, where he's like one of, uh, uh, like Confidential early in his career. Yep. He's yeah. a leading man. But after that, those first four or five big movies, it's like character actor time yeah. for him. But mm-hmm. I misread the questions. So. No, uh, if, if we were going that direction, you could say Gerard Butler, right? Because oh. after 300, he... <laughs> he, he's still a leading man, just, but not the same not, kind of movies. Not pretty. No. It's not pretty. They're making Geo another Storms Greenland. And, and what? That Greenland? Greenland movie he made. Well, the, did that, you ever watch that? Did you yeah, watch it's it? decent, but they're making another one. All right. Well, the and the um, Olympus has fallen has proven to be a pretty good fran- money maker franchise. Yeah. Fran- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Tell you what, Aaron had some fucking opinions on that. Uh, oh, did he? On that, um, that. what was it? Um, uh, 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 God, Discord. 
Uh, oh, that's why. I didn't oh, he was on Discord. He's on Discord, oh, okay. and he was like, "This is this is when you exactly call it a franchise." I'm like, "All right, man." <laughs> hey, I, t- I told at the very end of it after he got done with all of his opinions, I was like, "This is like the hot dog is a sandwich thing." <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's, it's a semantic debate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got it. So you're right. I agree with Chris that there's there's no curse. Uh, there's just kind of a, a way things work out. Ted Levine actually had. Uh, kind of a rebirth on Monk. If you ever watched that show, mm. uh, he played the uh, the captain on that good guy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you really couldn't tell it was him. Honestly, he had like a mustache and stuff like that. Uh, but in the spirit of the question, there are a couple that I think peaked at this point. Rutger Hauer was one that uh, came to my mind uh, in Blade Runner. He plays Ooh. the evil replicant bastard. Uh, Bash. Um, yeah, bash, <laughs> bash, bash the replicant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, Rutger Hauer has been in a lot of stuff. Uh, was in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's been in Danish stuff. I think he's been in some Verhoeven stuff. Wasn't he in that rapey weird shit that you watched? Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rapey weird shit. Yeah, it that's was, a, it was not a, a bad description of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> But uh, no, Rutger Hauer had a great career. Um, the Hitcher is fun, but I don't think he ever got to the the level that he was in in Blade Runner. Uh, I did rewatch that Tears in the Rain scene mm-hmm. uh, at the end, and when we send Blade Runner, we didn't take a cent off for it or anything. Go Which away. I told you to get to do, and you didn't. You did do that, right? Yeah. I did. Um, and I, I and you were right, of course. Um, when you watch it, he's like, you know, there's there's stuff that I've seen that no one in the the history of everybody will will ever see, mm-hmm. um, and it's all futuristic gobbledygook and all that stuff. But yeah, it's 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 gonna be lost like mm. tears in the rain. And man, th- that performance is kind of all over the place. Where especially at the end, where he's in his skivvies and like yelling and screaming and punching through walls. Uh, but that is really good, and I think that was that was in my mind uh, peak. Rutger Howard. You know, James Earl Jones never had the same career after Star Wars. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Everybody yeah. kept comparing all of his characters to Darth Vader, so mm-hmm. he never got work. Mm-hmm. I know. When he shows up at the end of Sneakers, they're like, man, all I see is Dark Darth <laughs> <Yeah>. Vader. <laughs> I ain't scared of that shit. <laughs> and the other one, um, boy, I was really thinking about the career of Lucy Liu uh, the other day. Mm-hmm. 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 I was trying to figure out when she burst on the scene because when she did, she was, you know, omnipresent basically. Um, and I, it, Charlie's Angels was her first big movie. She had been in other things, stuff like that, but that was 2000. And uh, she was part of this trio. You know, Drew Barrymore was a superstar at this point. Cameron Diaz was at this point. And it almost seemed like Lucy Liu. Uh, but then I remembered that she was a real factor in Ally McBeal uh, mm-hmm. really gaining prominence because. When she came on to be kind of the foil um, to uh, to Callista Flockhart, that's really where the show really took off. Um, but early in her career, I would say, you know, Kill Bill, she's a great villain in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, O'Shea Wren. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she, because she's so nice. It, it, there's that whole animated backstory about how she came to be so ruthless and everything. And she's so nice, and she's having that dinner with all the, the heads of the families and all that stuff, right? And one guy gets up and starts mocking her, and he's, he calls her, calls her a slur, essentially, questioning her background, uh, because she is in Japan at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she gets up, man. And, of course, it's a classic Tarantino foot shot. Yep. She gets up, walks across the table, slices motherfucker's head off. Mm-hmm. And she goes into this tirade that's awesome. She's like, does anybody else want to question my fucking authority around mm-hmm. here? And everybody's like, oh! <laughs> oh, my God. And she's like, anyone will look like this guy. And she holds up the mm-hmm. head. Shit like that. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. But, look, I'm sure... Um, there are X versus Sever fans out there. <laughs> no, no, there's not. not. There's none. I know that there are elementary fans out there. Speaking of Sherlock, mm-hmm. sure, um, Angelina and I, Jolie I, is one. Do what? Nothing. That's Angelina. That's a, like a previous Angelina Jolie marriage joke because her one of her first husbands is Wa, Watson. Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny Lee Miller. Interesting. I, I see how you got so there. I, I said Angelina is a, a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. yeah. My brain is misfiring today. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure elementary is fine. But I don't think Lucy Liu has ever gotten to where she was right around there after Charlie's Angels, and then as a villain in Kill Bill. Um, it seems like she's kind of taken a turn. God bless her. She's still working. She's still doing great. Uh, she's still gorgeous. Um, but Kill Bill, I think, is my favorite uh, performance. Yeah, movie. I don't know if if that role was so big though that it made it to where I just you know uh, I can't see her in anything else, or uh, you know had had a had a hard time living up to that role later on. Um, that's why I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of this discussion revolves around how memorable was that villain and how unique was it. And that's why those two in the example um, had a hard time shaking. Because Robert Patrick was doing, I mean, even after he did Terminator 2, he would show up as that character in other things. Like, like Wayne's World Last 2. Last Action Hero. And Last Action Hero. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot he was I in I looked Last him up Action a minute Hero. ago. He's got 163 credits. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, he was he was the replacement Mulder on X-Files. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it he... It just never really, really got going. You know what I mean? To to that level. Yeah, and then and then you know, I, and for everyone that you say, well, you know, this person couldn't get it on track. I'll give you like Alan Rickman, who was not really known here until Die Hard, for sure, yeah. and went on to have a great career where we didn't sit there and we, uh, hope he would spout out Hans Gruber line. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, there's there's a, I mean. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's a curse. I just think it's a matter of how distinct that villain was yeah. and how big of a movie it was that makes that a curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then, I mean, it's this, it's the thing that they, they bring up in uh, that uh, Ben Affleck Superman movie where he's playing uh, George Reeves. Hollywood. Oh, Holly- Black Dahlia? It's Hollywood no. Land. Hollywood Land. Oh, um, God, that movie's boring. Yeah, that's a boring shit movie. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen it. But he does Superman, and everybody knows George Reeves is Superman, and then he tries to do something in, like, Touch of Evil or something. I don't know what it, what movie it was, but he goes, you know, there's a scene where Ben Affleck walks in and to one of his own movies, and he shows up on screen, and everybody's like, you know, oh, look, up in the air, in the sky, you know, yelling out mm-hmm. in, the, in the theater and stuff, so... Uh, you know that there it can be a curse for good good guys yeah, too. Yeah. So. Don't be fooled. By the way, the Ben Affleck playing Superman is like a third of that movie. The rest of it is Adrian Brody like investigating his death. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, it's his death. Jumping back and forth in I time. See. That's I part see. of why the movie's so boring. Mm-hmm. If it had been all Ben Affleck playing George Reeves, I think that would have been fascinating, mm-hmm. but it's not. There's not near enough of that in the movie. Yeah. It was uh, directed by somebody really good, wasn't it? It was a, it was a Sopranos director, I remember. Oh, okay. Uh, God, I wonder if it was the creator. I don't know. But, but sitting here, the trailer has dropped for that. Many Saints of Newark, the prequel movie to The Sopranos, starring Gandolfini's son, which he's been working on for apparently six years. Is that a movie? It's or a movie. A, okay. And the trailer came out today, and I'm going to drive home very fast and watch it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say no to that, because uh, Simon is... Uh, not Simon. Um, the David, guy, David, uh, David, David Chase. David Chase. That's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Simon is the wire, right? Yes. Um, and uh, quite a prickly pear on Twitter. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Um, uh, Alan Coulter did Hollywood Land. He was also a big Sopranos. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, the, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, David Chase was the Sopranos. Uh, also, the rapey movie that you were th- trying to think of is Fle- uh, Flesh and Bone? No. Yeah, Flesh and Bone. Yeah. Uh, is that what it was called? I had it. And there's and lots of I flesh don't. and some bone. Yes. It's not to be confused with the uh, Meg Ryan. No, it's flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Yeah, ah, flesh and there's blood. also Fle- blood. Flesh and bone is the Meg Ryan alcoholic movie, I believe. Um, not to be confused within the cut, which is the Meg Ryan, <laughs> Meg Ryan boxing movie. That's right. The, <laughs> it's, the boxing, it's the boxing movie. <laughs> totally makes sense. Oh, somebody's going to feel like, I want to watch the Meg Ryan boxing movie, and they're going to put that shit in. And oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> people aren't ready. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Flesh and Bone is not about that, apparently. But Steve Kloves wrote and directed Flesh and Bone. Oh, well. Uh, decades later, a son of a killer falls in love with a girl whose family's horrifying murder he saw in childhood. And then he, then he did some bone. I think Flesh and, Blo- Blo- Flesh and Bone was one of the first Gwyneth Paltrow movies, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did some bone on her flesh. That's right. Uh, so yeah, you guys uh, out there listening are totally confused about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the last few minutes have been. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, <laughs> I do need to go over the movies that we uh, we recommended and warned and right. everything. Um, Jeremy recommended a Most Wanted Man, a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. He says if you like Alias and mm-hmm. you like what else would would. Homeland. Homeland. Those type of shows. Mm. A Most Wanted Man is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I recommended The Father, the movie that came out last year. Uh, Anthony Hopkins won uh, the Oscar for it. Um, uh, It's very, very good. Very, very good. And uh, and Barrett, you warned. Oh, yeah. The sweetest thing. It says warn amend in the. uh, No, it's straight up warn. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how you write down warn amend and then you end up just being like, I warn it. Look, it's because it's not horrible to look at a a scantily clad uh, Christina Applegate and Cameron Diaz. That's very true. All right. Uh, That's the only saving grace. Uh, she gets a dick in the eye. Okay. Yeah, and he so he warned the see uh, the the the, uh, the sweetest thing. Uh, we don't need to hear any more uh, <laughs> jokes about cum and peens right now. Um, we've had enough of that. Um, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to keep, uh, yeah, keep going to Syncast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins uh, Twitter and uh, Music Video Sins Twitter and SoundCloud. We're also on Discord. Uh, so go on to those badass places and give your comments. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherrill. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. And I'm, I am this way because of Michael Moore. Michael Moore made me this way. Yeah, although to, Michael Moore it always inserts himself into the story yeah. of the documentary. That's what's that's what gets uh, upsetting about him is is like you know Roger and Me, which is still his best documentary. I think absolutely. Uh, you know, even that one, he's like the end of it. He's like trying to get into uh, Ford's headquarters and everything, and uh, trying to be part of the story. You're Adele. Singing the rolling in the deep. Oh yeah, was it good? Aces. <laughs> nice, nice. Pretty happy with that one. He did, he did the the throw clear, and he was like, <clears throat> "You could have <laughs> I went up. I went up there. Nice. <laughs> Climbed. <laughs> did you ever see that uh, Herb Welch, uh, Bill Hader character on SNL, the the old reporter? I probably have, but I don't. Remember. He's got those big Harry Carey glasses, and he's got the microphone all the way up here. He's like, all right, what happened? And the the joke is that he's old and uh, senile and racist and mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, there's one with Emma Stone where they're outside an apartment. And Emma Stone's like, there's my super right there. You can talk to her. And uh, he goes over and Kristen Wiig is dressed like real dowdy. Uh, and he goes over and he's like, all right, sir, what happened? <laughs> and she's like, I am a woman. Mm-hmm. And so he does this thing. He's like, oh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. he takes a microphone and he goes, Boom, and he's going up against her boobs. <laughs> he's like, then he starts hitting her crotch. And he's like, Dunk. 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 and then he starts cracking up because he's Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. It, 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 Bill Hader... I guess because he was so supremely talented, always got away with that, where Jimmy did. Fallon didn't. Right, yeah. People like Jimmy Fallon doing that, but they didn't like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, this I is think a weird thing like, about Jimmy Fallon. He's yeah. like the Coldplay of SNL performers. <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes him, but everybody says they hate him. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> true. That's he's true. No, there's nothing to no, hate about that guy. Yeah. Just it, and if you've ever seen the hate, it's he laughs at his own jokes. Yeah. And like you said, well, fucking Carol Burnett used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Asshat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There and Will Ferrell even even would crack up every once in a while. He would. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was the. Uh, the uh, leather, the hot tub scene <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Jimmy Fallon, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Fallon and Drew Barrymore were cracking up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he's, uh, what, who was with him? Rachel Dratch. And he's like, we, we went out to the countryside and ate some grilled goat meat. <laughs> we were naked as the fat dribbled down our chins. <laughs> yeah. And then he started yeah. laughing. There's that one where he they're at a it's they're at a uh clothing store, rural swank clothing store. Yeah, if, uh, I think it's Chris Catan maybe. No, well it's Jimmy Fallon is in that one too. <laughs> oh yeah. And the guest is not the guy that played Jack on Will and Grace. Oh uh, um Jack Mc, not Jack. His name McBrady. is Jack, isn't it? The guy. Uh, oh, you mean uh, Sean, Jack, Fa- uh, Sean, Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and uh, he comes in and uh, and he starts telling them stuff or whatever. It's real funny. But then he pulls out that tiny phone. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he like pulls uh, out, he's in like a out. motor scooter or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they both bust out. I think he nearly busts out. <laughs> I'll do that with The Office, too. Apparently, Krasinski was the worst in The Office. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he's so dry on the show. But I don't apparently... understand why people don't like that more. Like, on the, yeah. on the Seinfeld episodes, you can tell when Jerry's about to break. Because mm-hmm. he is the least professional like, of all of them. His voice gets all high. And so, more of his near breaks make it into final episodes than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he'll grin right before Punchline. Cause he's, and that's funnier to me. It is. Yeah. Than if he'd done it straight. I don't understand people who view it the other way. Well, it's like the, um, the, uh, in Boogie Nights when Philip Baker Hall does that whole thing where he's like, uh, I'm a simple man. I like... Butter in my ass. Uh, lollipops <laughs> in my mouth. You can see Robert Ridgely in the background. He's blurred out a little bit. But he's like... <laughs> well, because he delivers it so straight. Yeah, yeah. And Burt Reynolds doesn't doesn't crack at all either. It's like, this is a normal conversation <laughs> yeah. to people have. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Robert Ridgely is not acting. He's laughing his ass off. You gotta buy that shit. Yeah. You gotta pwn it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so spoiled, though. If it's not on Netflix or Amazon, even you've already Hulu, given I don't in. Like Hulu. You've already given in. You've already given in to the age of no more owning movies. Pretty much. I mean, I have movies, but I just don't. I, I mean, I don't from this point forward, you're not going to own any movies. The only, uh, yeah, probably not. Um, the only one that I actually still pop in because it's not on anything except for maybe Paramount Plus, which I'm not going to get, is The Godfather. Mm. Like I'll I'll put that in I'll put that in I am actually with my dick. not yeah, not sure if Paramount Plus does have that I mean it would they it, they should but maybe I don't know if they do There's probably some reason I they wonder, don't Do they have all the Mission Impossible's because some of those are on uh, Prime oh. and some of those due to technology I can find this out Oh no lovely, lovely. I was not expecting that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a minute where I was thinking about Paramount Plus but it just wasn't worth it. Because I wanted to watch, like, The Challenge. And, I haven't gotten And you want to watch that new iCarly, too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the, the Star Trek should have done it for me, mm-hmm. but they haven't. Wait, is Paramount Plus and CBS All Access yes. different? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's it, the same thing, same though, right? It, it absorbed That's what CBS. I thought. So, and I'm a Trek man. I should be watching those Treks, but that hasn't moved the needle. I, I mean, I'll, I know I'm going to watch that Picard series at some point. I just... Here's the problem. All my urgency is gone. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. uh, I have a list 200 titles long of movies and shows I know are great. Stranger Things. Never watched it. Know I will eventually. Know it'll be great. I have zero urgency because I'm that confident it's great and I'm that confident something else I might watch could be great. Yeah. Yeah. And plus you really invest when you're taking on a series too. But yeah, even with the movie though, even with just a single... Even with just hard a, to pull the trigger, just a wonder. Yeah, you'll it, watch The Martian for the sixtieth time. All right, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a, just as good a time. It appears that no Godfathers are on there, and four of the Mission Impossibles are on there. No yeah, Rogue Nation. That's what you call <clears throat> stupid contracts. No Fallout and no Fallout because the last two are on Prime. It's funny for the longest time, and they may still be. There were still MCU movies on Prime. And that might be the reason why it's not on Paramount right yeah, now. Yeah. Is because it's all the exclusive <clears throat> stuff. They uh, Prime's got them now. 
that's the reason why there's always those like when the you know disney's uh pulling their stuff from netflix there's like a time period mm-hmm. yeah instead of them just yanking it right then and there <clears throat> but yank <clears throat> yank yank oh yeah i'm gonna yank it right here now <laughs> I was at a, I was at a poker game, a cash game, uh, Friday, and uh, I had been there the previous Friday, and, and the host had these Gatorades that were just oh, they were so beautifully cold. Oh, nice! And just you know, and nothing like a cold Gatorade. Oh, and it was awesome. And uh, and uh, he gave me another one on uh, this past Friday, and I go, oh, I was, the, I love these. It's so cold going down your throat and everything. Of course, somebody has to be like, what does that mean down your throat? Blah blah blah. You know, just being being a joker mm-hmm. and i was like I, I don't know man you can take it any way you want sounds like you take it any way you want too oh, it's like okay Christ, all right man. okay yeah I, I i just don't respond to those no. that's it's like it's <laughs> like no. the steve carell version of like social joking only when he's in the bookstore and he's just ad- answers every question with a question yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, style of humor that is yeah how would be like, you like me to be like in, david yeah. caruso and jade <laughs> <laughs> i was watching that for the first time in forever the other night man that's like none of those actors have aged except for seth rogan seth rogan looks like a fucking uh mm-hmm. prof- what did i liken him to He's because he's all gray now, and he wears cardigans. Yeah, and he looks like like a pervy college professor or something. Yeah, like that. he's like twenty two years old in that movie. Wow, twenty one or twenty two, somewhere around there. And he looks. That's the only time I've ever seen him not look like Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he kind of looks butch. He does because yeah. he's got the the thing, and he's always doing like acti- he's got the tattoos. tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. big old goatee. Yeah, and now uh, now he looks like Seth Rogen. Yep. Yep. I guess he's making enough money on this weed that, cause, and producing that he doesn't have to. I don't know. He I mean, hasn't been in anything. Th- that in a dude while. didn't have to start a weed company to make money. <laughs> like that dude was already set for life. Yeah, his uh, his pottery sucks. <laughs> I hate to say it. Everybody says it's awesome. Have you seen it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> not very good. That's probably not a better place for all those incarcerated black kids who got arrested for a dime bag. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's unfair out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> it's a uh, it's not easy to see a bunch of rich white famous people hawking weed, making Jim money left and right on yeah, weed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. It's uh, they like talking to that guy uh, Mustafa, what's his name? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. From uh Takeout Girl. Mm-hmm. Where he's like this is a whole different America that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I need to listen to that a lot more, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a. I follow the historian Kevin Cruz on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I'm just like that's basically the only. If he doesn't have anything, then I just, you know, I'll I'll look at some trending things. But that's the only guy that I really follow. But he's a. Uh, he was he 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 wrote a thing and uh, for MSNBC said uh, Martin Luther King was more than just his one quote that you guys keep coming out you know with and uh and so guess what he got a whole bunch of people who kept reminding him of that quote and he would always come back thank you for proving the point of the article of the article that you didn't read Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because the article is titled explicitly he was more than just this one line jesus christ because everybody's got it in their in their heads that uh critical race theory teaches people to hate a certain race which Mm -hmm. it does not i listened to a 30 minute report on that the other day and you don't learn it in kindergarten through 12th grade either you learned it in law school that's all you ever learned, critical race theory. No, yeah. but if we make it a big 
bugaboo demon, we can scare everybody into going to school board meetings and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Well, now now critical race theory is is everything that you don't like about exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly it's yeah everything you don't want them to teach is lumped mm. into that. Mm. I saw a funny tweet the other day that said. I didn't ever learn about this stuff in school. Bitch, yeah, you did. You were busy drawing an eye. <laughs> I thought that was very funny because I think every class I ever had, there was somebody drawing an eyeball. Every yeah, single yeah, one. Yeah. And that person missed out. And, but at the same time, we didn't learn all this. We didn't learn all of it. We didn't learn all of it. Mm -mm. This is why I'm incensed. I'm not really incensed. I don't have kids. But if I had kids, I'd be incensed because... I didn't learn everything, and it's, they didn't just keep Black Wall Street Massacre from me. Mm -hmm. I never learned about that in school. Nope. But they also kept everybody who rode with Paul Revere from mm -hmm. me. They only taught me Paul Revere. That's mm -hmm. the only guy who ever did this. Wrong. Yep. What else don't I know? The uh, what you were you sent us a, a thing about the first black woman to sit on the bus the front of the bus yeah and there was a woman before her yeah but yeah, we just yeah. didn't know about her yeah 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 let's this, this is the same this is how the juneteenth holiday happened is that slavery was ended but it didn't actually end for two more years exactly because things take time talk to work about, their way through the culture talk about proving a point man that should prove the point that uh we need to we need to learn more about this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first time I heard about Juneteenth was that interview with uh, Channing Guy. Same, same here. Yeah. That's the first time I had ever heard of it. And uh, and then, yeah, and the Tulsa Massacre was Watchmen was yeah. the first time yeah. I had ever heard of a it. A goddamn comic book TV show mm. yep. taught yeah. me a key moment of American history that my fucking textbook didn't. Mm -hmm. Yep. That, this shit's been going on for 40, 50 years in terms of what they put in and what they take out of the textbook. And don't get me started on the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> was that originally the first was uh, Wizard of Oz? Yeah. They used that? Yeah. yeah. And then the Simpsons did it later with um, Stonecutters episode, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Stonecutters. Somebody else did it hmm. with Oreos. Oh, yes. Oreos. Yes. Yeah, Oreos. yeah. Oreos. I don't remember what that was, but I know it was in a show. <laughs> it was a thing. I think it was an ad for Oreos. No, I'm pretty sure it was like a Family Guy episode or some kind of shitty-ass Crudes 2 or something. <laughs> Angry Birds 2. <laughs> I believe Chris is already well on his way to finding an answer. <clears throat> Thankfully, we have technology. The same technology where we figured out what show Haley Kiyoko was in a threesome in? Yes. That was before that you was got a here. Thing. Who? Haley Kiyoko, uh, singer slash actress slash Instagram person. Um, What's the movie? Queer icon. Um, oh. It's Insecure, the show. Uh, the Issa Rae show on HBO. <clears throat> but we were watching a music video, and I, uh, Chris was saying there was some show in which she was in a threesome and we looked it up and it was insecure nice nice does the short before wreck it ralph uh ring a bell no is that what they're saying it is yeah wow um, it's called short? march of the oreos no. <laughs> um it's a short song oh song featured in disney's 2012 animated feature film wreck it ralph it is sung by King Candy's Oreo Guards. There it is. Uh, it's in the yes. movie itself. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yes. It's I thought in it was a the short. movie. 
Yep. Way better than Crude's 2. That's right. <laughs> what if we have a gremlin that's a lightning bolt? It's in the movie. <laughs> and I love at the end, all of that stuff is in the movie. <laughs> Everybody left and I'm alone in the room right now and everybody's gone. So I'm singing that song while I look at my news app and read the headline. What's going on? A dangerous heat wave in the western Quentin Tarantino's book is the best and Gal Gadot welcomes a baby and darkness falls on the Trump movement. Controversy with the 90-day fiancé James Gunn offered to help with the cost after raccoon damages a woman's house. That's a fucked up story I just now realized. Tom Brady has some golf balls with his self-love all over them. And there's another heat wave article. A heat wave must be bad. And then there's a four. Oh, yeah. What? Hi. Hi. Oh, I wasn't singing. I haven't even watched Top Chef from last week. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, the rules are reversed because I did. Is it good? Yes. <laughs> I guess that's all there is to say. I think you're going to need a new pair of jeans, Barrett. They're so comfortable, though. I mean, even in the back, you got another one of these happening. Oh, in the ass? Yeah, on your pocket. Like I can see your panties. You panties? Where? Which side? I'm not going to touch it. Which right side. <laughs> right top left. Yeah. You can feel the hole. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hello, nurse. Yeah. 